Welcome to the next episode of Ranked. We are here for part one out of two of us discussing an entire year of film, probably one of the best years we've had in film since we've been doing this podcast for 60 movies from the year 2022, and we are here to discuss this three months into 2023, but to help break down 60 great and in this case, for part one, not so great movies, we have our pop topic co-host, Tristan. How are you doing today? Doing fantastic. I can't believe we're already like three months into the year here. That's crazy. And y'all can, y'all can blame me at Quentin for getting married. That's why this one's so delayed there. He had to go on a, on a cruise with his new wife. That's why I had to push yeah. him back to March. Ridiculous. Yeah, a little later than normal, but you know, uh, better late than never. That's what I always say. But uh, obviously here to round up the three, we have him returning for the second year in a row. He was here for 2021. We have Hayden. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing great. I just like to watch new movies. Um, and mom gets mad, but this is my excuse. So <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's a good point. You could just be like, well, I'm doing it for a podcast, mom. Is this for research? Yeah, mom, it's research. That's why I'm not doing homework. Yeah, exactly. I failed math. <laughs> what does he do about account? Come on. Yeah, well, you didn't fail this podcast, Hayden. You're good to go. Yeah, he can count to 60. That's all we need here. Exactly. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see your rating soon enough. Maybe you did fail this podcast, but, you know, we'll see. So before we get into the top 30 worst films, I guess we'll let the audience know how we're changing the format a bit. Previously, we just went from 60 all the way to 1. Here, we're just going to make it nice and simple. Divide the podcast in half. We're going to go from 30 all the way to 60. So from mediocre to the worst, we'll determine which films of this list are the worst. And of course, next week, we'll then be releasing the podcast of the 30 best films, which movies we deem to be pretty decent to the best of the year. But I guess before we start discussing how terrible some of these movies are. I want to check in with you guys on how you guys felt for this year as a whole. 2022, you know, especially Hayden compared to last year and Tristan compared to the last three we've been doing. Uh, how do you guys think this year stacks up? Oh, this year was way better. It was less of a punishment. Last <laughs> year sucked. But no, nah, this year I had so many good movies. Yeah, comparing this year to last year in particular, I think it's real night and day. Uh, you've already mentioned at the top of the podcast here. This is a very strong year in movies. Uh, one of the strongest since I've really dived deep into film. Uh, this one has been a very, very strong year. It most definitely compares this to 2019, the first year we did it. Uh, those are probably the two. Those are both great years for movies. It really kind of depends on which films you like better, which one's connected with you more, and what year can be a better year in film for you. But this one's most definitely a very high, high uh, quality year for film for sure. Lots of phenomenal movies coming out this year, or came out this year. Yeah, I agree. This is definitely the year I've gotten the closest to the 2019 vibes. I still think that year was better, but maybe that could just be because it was the first year we did it. Maybe that's my rose-colored glasses that I'm wearing. But this year, if it's not the same, it's very close. This was a great year. Like Honestly, especially compared to last year, like Hayden was saying. Like I like last year. I wouldn't go as far as what Hayden was talking about. But it is true that, like, probably if I was to put all the films from last year and this year into a list, like maybe two or three from that year and seven or eight from this year would be in my top ten. Like, this year just has some really heavy hitters, some movies that I really like. So, yeah, I can agree with that. 
best movie from the two years was from last year. Oh yeah, well, what movie was that again? What's your favorite? Missiles for Machines. I love that movie. Yeah, that is a good movie. I think you're gonna say Jews and the Black Messiah. I don't know why I thought that was your number one. No, that was like third for him. Yeah, that's number three yeah. last year. Yeah, which is good, but you know, compared to some of these, I don't know. But uh, does that mean that this 30 that we're going to be talking about this podcast, the worst, is this, is this going to be the boring podcast? Is there really nothing bad to talk about? Perfect films, right? Uh, no, there are most definitely some stinkers. Uh, <laughs> particularly in the bottom 10, I think is where we're going to be hitting some real, some real stinky boys, that's for sure. Some real crap all, films. All of Tristan's picks. Most of them will probably be... I, I, I disagree. My picks are phenomenal. I picked 15 exquisite films. A really eclectic <laughs> group of films, I think. For me, surprisingly, I would say of the 60, there's 13 bad movies. Aside from 13 films, the rest of them I gave a 3 out of 5 or higher. So, that's <laughs> aside from... Good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, this year was really, really good. I also feel like we picked less bad movies this year. I feel like just as a whole, we all just were kind of in sync with picking good stuff. Like, I feel like, aside from 13 films, I would rewatch the other ones. If not, I can at least say I enjoyed my experience with them. Uh, yeah, that that's pretty good, you know, ratio. I'll t- I'll take that any day. So going into this, we can jump into if we want number thirty-one of our list, which we're going to be considering the thirtieth worst film of the year twenty twenty-two. And to kick off this list, we have Sonic the Hedgehog two. So this was... You, sorry, can we swear? Yeah, 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 you guys can swear. Are you serious? Wait, you had this at number 11? <laughs> so, so for the listeners, uh, this no is way. number nine at the box office. Uh, and to give, a quick, give people a quick rundown on how we made this list, we did the top 15 from the box office, and we each picked 15 films. None of us picked this movie, although Hayden might have. I uh, would <laughs> He gave this number 11. We almost cracked his top 10 right off the bat here. Uh, I put this at 36, and Tristan put this at 39. Yeah. Do you want to start off first here, Hayden? With your, you obviously had it quite a bit higher. Okay, I don't know what Tristan was smoking. We walked out of the theater, and we're both like, wow, that was like a perfect Sonic movie. You got, you got, you know, Sonic, you got Tails, Knuckles introduced. The way they introduced him was just badass, how they instantly had him fight Sonic. Uh, you got Golder Doc, Golden Doctor Eggman, and then you got a teaser for the next film. Um, and the humans were so much less important in this movie. It was, it felt more like a Sonic movie. Um, dude, I walked out of that theater, my mind was just blown. I was flabbergasted. <laughs> I loved this movie. Yeah, I'll jump in here because obviously Hayden seems disappointed by where I ranked it, and I just double checked my list to see if did I screw up because every year I screw up while ranking one of my movies. Yeah, so my movie's cool. always in the ridiculous spot on the pocket. Like, oh man, I should have put that there. That's a terrible spot for it. But looking at the list here, uh, this is, I think, the first casualty of many of this year just being a great year in film. Uh, if this movie came out last year, this would probably be a lot closer where Hayden has it. Maybe not quite 11, probably top, you know, 20, 25 area. Because uh, I really like this film. As Hayden said, I think this is a pretty close to perfect Sonic movie. I think it really checks all the boxes for what you want in a Sonic film. You know what I mean? Knuckles, totally badass. Tails was a little bit of a bitch, as he always is. <laughs> Sonic's real cool. Dr. Eggman's awesome. You know, Chaos Emeralds, everything you want in a, uh, in a Sonic movie. And I really hope in the next one, he doesn't have to take his dad with him. Like, why is there still these random human characters? I agree. Hayden, as Hayden mentioned, a, um, the humans are a lot less important in this one, which made him feel even more shoehorned in and even less necessary. And that is really the only bad part of this film. The rest of this movie, as mentioned, pretty much a perfect Sonic. 
I, I really think the Knocked Out, I, I, you know, I'm not the biggest Sonic fan in the world, but this is everything I want in a Sonic movie. And this is just a really strong year in film. And the fact that it still had 30 to 40 minutes of its, what, hour and 45 minute runtime being wasted by these stupid wedding storyline and a dumb, like, FBI agent undercover at the wedding and the, the main guy is getting married to the other girl. Like, I didn't care about any of that at all. It felt unnecessary, and it took away from the main plot that I actually did like and really enjoy. 39 sounds low. It is in the top two-thirds. I mean, I feel like Kane has a little high 11 there. 11, 11's pretty freaking high No, there, I love this Sorry, I was trying to see if I could find where we ranked the first Sonic when we did the 2020 ranking, but I don't this seem to have it. This is way better than the first Sonic. <laughs> yeah, because I was going to say, I feel like we ha- me and Tristan have this in the same spot as the first Sonic movie, but like Tristan said, I think it's kind of just a testament to how this year is compared to 2020 when we did that podcast with the original, because I think this is significantly better than the first one. Even though I have it at 36, like I said, I think the first, I think the top 45 movies we have here, I think are good. And I enjoy this movie quite a bit. I think it's at a good spot at 36. I like it a lot. I still hate the human characters. And they're in it way less, but they're still like 20% of the movie. Like, there's still like a good 30 minutes almost I could have cut out with those people. Like, it's just so irrelevant and pointless. But at the same time... I love almost everything else about it. I really like Sonic. I think Knuckles with Idris Elba is the best casting. Like, like and to be oh, fair, I don't. He stole the show. Yeah, Every he stole. Was it wasn't even close. Stole the freaking show. Yeah, and to be fair, I don't really love the casting of Sonic. I don't really love whoever's voicing him from, I believe, Parks and Rec. Like, like. Ah. I have no idea who plays Sonic, but I agree he's only okay. He's not bad. Like, but he's, he's only fine. Okay. Idris Elba as Knuckles, uh, knockout, yeah. slam dunk. And I thought he was good in the first movie, but when he's matched up against Knuckles, like, it, it kind of makes me realize how, like, kind of lame Sonic is. Like, Knuckles is just, he's, he's carrying this entire movie. He's so great. Even Jim Carrey is great as Dr. Eggman. Like, there's a lot about this movie that I like. Uh, there's just stuff that I don't enjoy, and that, that's pretty much it. I think this is a pretty yeah. serviceable film. Perfect in the middle. I think this is perfect at number 30, or I guess technically 31. Uh, it is a fine movie that I, I would recommend. Know, this one does feel like it should probably be at like 30 instead of 31, just so it can be in the, the best of the movies. So this is by no means one of the worst movies of 2022. By no means this is one of the worst movies of 2022. I think this one's quite good. There's like an hour, hour 10 minutes of a perfect Sonic film in there and about 30 to 40 minutes of utter garbage. Yes, and that's I agree somewhere with that. In the middle. I agree with that, yeah. There's a, an hour within this movie that is the perfect Sonic film. And <laughs> I would say there's about two minutes in the first movie that's a perfect Sonic movie. Like, I'd say yeah. there's barely anything in that first one that's, like, good. And it's never, very rarely in a movie is it so obvious what's the good parts, what are the bad parts. It's so easy to tell. Are they animated or are they humans? Besides from Carrie, of course. But he's real animated as far as humans go anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah, no. So Sonic 2's great. Uh, honestly, I'm excited for Sonic 3. And I never would have said that after the first movie. I was not excited yeah. for this movie at all. <laughs> I, just, I, 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 I pray that they, they, they finally let Sonic stand on his own. He doesn't need a chaperone. He's a big boy now. He can do it as the main lead, even though he's animated. That's, 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 it's fine. We don't need the other guys in there. I hope the bad guy's ugly Sonic. Oh, that would be a fun bad guy. Just thinking now, mentioning ugly Sonic, <laughs> why is Chip and Dale not on this list? Uh, that was last year. 
No, Chip and Dale was this year. That's well, this year, watched. and no one picked it. Hundred yeah. percent was this year because we watch it. I watch it at the bachelor party. That was like a man. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, why did we? Why did no one pick the new Chip and Dale movie? Uh, I don't know. Wow, that was a mistake, guys. <laughs> that's it. Redo the podcast. Yeah, let's start her over. Yeah, we're taking Babylon out. I put it below this one, so yeah, uh, we bump it out of this one to the top thirty podcast. That's true. Yeah, I would put Chip and Dale below this. I think this is not great. like much lower, but it'd be lower. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm surprised you have it at like 11. I knew you liked I it. I didn't it. think you had it. That. You would have it like between like 30 and 20 is where I thought you would have had it. Like 24, 25 kind of area. Yeah. Well, this film did not crack Hayden's top 10, but the next, the next movie level. did crack someone's top 10. Uh, and, and, and obviously that is mine. I feel like I'm going to be outnumbered a lot here in this podcast. But coming in as the 29th worst film of the year, we have Babylon. So I have this right at number 10. Tristan has this at 37, and Hayden has it at 49. Almost cracked Hayden's bottom 10. I'm shocked you have this in your top 10, Quentin. That's, you go first. You take the floor here, Quentin. Top 10. Uh, and to be fair, I don't really have that much of a defense for it, because I actually think the movie's very messy. Like, I think there is, speaking of cutting out a lot of stuff from Sonic, like, I could, like you know, I, I really like this movie. I really do. But I, I could probably cut out quite there's quite a few scenes like the viper scene that just feels so unattached from the rest of the movie and so pointless to the extent where if they removed it not only would i not notice anything but i would actually think it's a bit better like i think babylon's very messy it kind of just fell to the point of my top nine i would say are easily the best and then from 10 to like 15 i had a lot of movies i really liked but it just felt weird putting any of these movies beside my other nine saying oh yeah that's my top 10 like my like the 10 spot seemed odd and of all the movies that i really liked that were outside of the nine this movie has some of the scenes that i love like there's some moments in this movie that i think are some of the best moments of the entire year for film most importantly brad pitt talking to the woman that's writing those articles about legacy and about how even though he's no longer in the game because they've moved on from him because he really doesn't fit with the world of talkies as a progression through film. And she's still having a job writing articles about him failing as an actor. Uh, she tells him, well, of the two of us, you're the one people are going to remember, right? Like, like when I pass away a hundred years from now in 2023, if someone's hypothetically watching movies, you're still alive to them. They're still going to feel passion and empathy and love for you on these screens and i'm just going to be somebody that wrote articles that nobody knows about anymore and i don't know if it's just because i'm a big film guy and if it's just cheesy or cringy or what but i felt that like i watched bicycle thieves i believe the day or two after and it was so eerie because i kept thinking in my head everybody in this movie is dead right now and then i watched another silent film and i thought everybody in this movie is dead right now and i still I'm getting emotional about people on screen. And so that scene has just stuck with me over the last three months since I've seen this film. And I've seen, a, you know, January to March is kind of the dead period for movies. So this, this is kind of the moment where I kind of go back through old films just to catch up on, you know, all these filmographies that I haven't seen yet. And I, it just keeps sticking in my head like I am really, you know, connecting with all these people that have been dead for decades and so i just feel like that scene in particular 
you know, there's many other scenes in this movie. I don't know about you guys, but I think the best scene is easily Margaret Robbie recording the first talkie, like the sound design. Yes. 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 <laughs> like the sound, it's sure. so great. Um, you know, I just think the directing, the sound design, uh, the, the camera work, like I just think some of these shots are gorgeous. A lot of these moments where I still think about and I don't, you know, at number 10, that's good enough for me. Like, There's a lot of things I don't love about this movie. I don't think it's perfect. I don't even blame people like Hayden for not thinking it's good because it's a little out there. But I just think it's so out there that it's interesting. And I, I really liked it. Uh, what, what about you, Hayden? You had it at 49. Uh, what's the complete opposite? I didn't, I didn't hate the film. Like, I think I gave it three, three stars. Um, it was three hours. It was mm-hmm. way too long. And I only liked maybe an hour of it. Like, there was an hour of scenes where I was like, wow, that was a good scene. Like, the talkie scene. Um, also, whenever they were filming something, I was, like, it was interesting to me. But then it felt like the whole party was useless. Um, a lot of there's a lot of filler in the middle going towards the third act, um, where it felt pointless to me. It felt super extended for no reason. And like I said, I didn't hate this movie, but there were just so many more movies this year that I genuinely liked more. So that's why this one was just shuffled to like near the bottom ten. No, that's yeah, good. I, I agree. Pretty much everything Hayden said there for the most part. Uh, it's way too long. Uh, this movie does not need to be three hours. It does not justify being three hours. I, this movie could probably be about an hour 40, realistically. Uh, <laughs> I know that like the party scenes, where most of the marketing was, was hinged on. Almost Most of the party scenes felt utterly ne- unnecessary. Uh, they didn't really add anything to the main plot or add anything to the story. Uh, they barely added anything to the characters. Uh, I thought most, and it, over an hour of it was partying, and it, it wasn't necessary. It was fun, sure, for the first 10 minutes of it. Then the, the, the next 50 were just like, all right, this is why it's three hours for no reason. I get it. Um, and the snake scene, again, was going to mention utterly, utterly pointless. Uh, there were some great moments in there, right? Brad Pitt talking with the, the reporter. Obviously, the first talkie scene was incredible. Those kind of things I thought were really great. Um, although I didn't love Margot Robbie's character. I thought her performance was great. I, Margot Robbie did a great job. I think this might, might be one of her best performances. It's one of the things I liked about this film. But I thought her character, uh, it didn't go anywhere. It, it, she, never, she never evolved from where she was at the beginning, right? She, she wanted to be a star. She knew she'd be a star. She set up to be a star. And that was really it. And when she got there, she didn't change at all. Or nothing happened. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't like her character. I didn't like the way her character ended. I didn't like any of that um, at all. I, yeah. There's more in this movie I disliked than things I liked, and that's why it's in the bottom. That's fair. No, that's a good point. And like I said, <laughs> even I think that there's stuff that I don't really like. Like, I really don't like the snake stuff. Like, that just felt like an entire 15-minute side story that just did not need to happen. The party did last a while, although I think, like, the first 10 minutes was a one-shot. No, was, there was some it was great so good. Shots. Yeah, like, it was so good. But one scene that I absolutely loved that I haven't talked about yet was when they got to the set. The first scene when yes. they were on set, and it was the big one-shot pan of all the different sets of all the different yeah, silent films being made. And then all, all the stuff on set. Whenever they're on the sets, those were the best parts of the movie. The whole, that's what the whole movie should have been about. The party scenes were utterly useless and garbage. Yeah. And like, the, whenever they're on sets, filming things, making movies, working on that, those were the best parts of the film by far. Yeah, the sets were, yeah, when they were recording stuff, like, like when they were filming that war epic with Brad Pitt, yeah. it was so good. It was, it was so Omar chaotic. Robbie from yeah. the Western. That yes, was awesome. it, was so, it was really good, yeah. Like the, those were the, 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 the good moments. Yeah. The stuff in the trailers, the parting, 
didn't care for any of that. It was pointless. The other reason why I wanted to pick this movie is because of its comparison to Blonde. Did you want to wait till we get to Blonde to compare them, or? Yeah, I wouldn't wait till. Yeah, because I mean, that's gonna be you know, that's gonna be on this podcast. So you know, all right, all right. Well, we'll discuss that later because I think the comparison to the two of them and how they handle, you know. You know, uh, women early in film filmmaking. Back in the day. Yes, exactly. Like they women both depict it. The golden age of Hollywood. Yeah, the golden age of Hollywood. So we'll we'll get to that later. Um, let's move on to number twenty-eight, and we have bodies, 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 which was another pick of mine, and another film that I have relatively high that Hayden does not. I have it at thirteen. Tristan has it at thirty-five, and Hayden has it at fifty-two. Yeah, I'll jump in on this one first. I'm right in the middle right here. Hey, real freaking low. Actually, surprisingly low. Like, Quentin's pretty high. Higher than what I thought he you know, I figured he'd have a little bit of me. I feel like this movie's kind of one of the ones that works for you, or it doesn't. As you know. Uh, it didn't quite work for me. It really didn't work for Hayden. I, I wanted to like this a whole lot more than I did. There were a lot of murder mystery movies this year. There were a lot of horror movies this year. And this one fell flat on both regards. You know what I mean? It's kind of near the bottom of the murder mystery. It's kind of the, of the horrors for me. It, it was only okay. I didn't care for the twists at the end sort of thing. I didn't really care for... I liked the characters. That was the one thing I did like. I felt like, like most of the characters were pretty well done. The relations were pretty well done. It was too on the nose with where millennials were Gen Z. This is how Gen Z behave and act and talk. It was too on the nose at parts. It kind of dug into that too much at moments. And it kind of, all right, we get it. Move on. Yeah, this uh, this one I believe, if I looked at my list, I think this is going to be my highest murder mystery, which you know is quite a <laughs> quite a prevalent theme you would see in a lot of movies this year. I'm glad we have quite a few of them here. Um, and honestly, I'm not going to complain because I'm a fan of any murder mystery film. Love so yeah, <laughs> they're all great. Uh, even the ones that are bad, like they can't be bottom ten just because like at least they're like yeah, fun to extend. Has that a fifty-two? Yeah. This one didn't hit for me as far as murder mysteries go. But still a fun ride it's still a murder mystery it's still a good time pete davidson's hilarious that's why i have yeah. it 35 i thought it was fun i just I, you know not quite top half of the year because such a good year for film but a uh, overall quite enjoyable yeah this is probably uh, my like guilty pleasure of the year like i just think this one's so much fun i gotta tell you i thought the twist at the end was hilarious i did not see it coming but it just made so much sense it was really clever it was the perfect way to end the movie on such like a uh, ironic notes with uh, you know uh, whatever his name is Pete Davidson's character, I thought the film was just a really fun time and it was very on the nose with millennials, Gen Z or, or whoever it was they were really making fun of here. But honestly, I I don't care. I thought it was hilarious. I loved the comedy and just is kind of pointing at our age and our youth and just like kind of mocking how we would react in such a ridiculous situation. I also I also just thought this movie was placed at the perfect time like obviously among us was huge last year and this film kind of just feels like it's kind of just making fun of like our obsession with among us and like just our culture of just wanting to figure out who the murderer is even hypothetically if there isn't anyone like just all of our obsession with wanting to figure out what's going on we're always assuming the worst it's just a really fun time and i thought all the characters were hilarious like you said tristan uh, I thought the woman from Shiva Baby once again hit out of the park. She was easily oh, the great. best I part. Love her. Rachel Tenyon? Yeah, Rachel yeah, Rachel Tenyon? something. Yeah, uh, she killed me. And then I also absolutely loved that old guy that was with them. He was just like hanging out, pretending he was hip with all of them, and it's some like forty-five year old. Kills me. Fucking kills me. 
he's like going to bed because it's like 9 p.m. and they're all like, "What the fuck's wrong with this guy? Like, <laughs> what's he doing? We're in the, the the night's still young." I don't know. I thought everybody in the movie was really funny. I think that's kind of what it was for me. Like, I liked everyone there. I actually got really bummed when people started dying just because I wanted to see some more of some of those characters. But yeah, as a whole. I just thought this was a genuinely fun time. It's kind of like the ready or not of this year for me. I do think that one's a bit better, but this this one's up there. Like this is just a fun time. It's at 13. I couldn't put it any higher because I, I don't think it's like anything great in filmmaking, but as a whole, I I just I genuinely thought this was a fun ride. I think this movie was a complete waste of time. <laughs> like, no, that plot twist was so stupid. It was just like, <laughs> hey. You watched this movie for an hour and a half. And you wasted it. We wasted your fucking time. (laughs) Like, looking back, 52, that's a little low. That's a little low. But I felt, I felt like I just wasted an hour and a half of my time at the end of the movie. I looked at Tristan, I was like, wow, this movie fucking sucked. (laughs) Like, it felt like the spring breakers of a murder mystery. Oh, no. Oh no! Yeah, no. Spring yeah. Breakers is terrible. Oh no, that was that was this uncalled was really for. Fun. Yeah, you went too far there. No, I, I like this movie was just a waste of time. I will never watch this movie again. That's fair. Yeah, I, that's the, I think this is a murder mystery, and as with most murder mysteries, at the the, the you know the final reveal either you, you makes the movie or breaks the movie. You know, what I mean, you love it or you hated it. Um, the ride to get there was a lot of fun. I think that's uncomfortable. The ride to get to the final reveal was real fun. Does the final reveal a, uh, do you love it or do you hate it? Probably impacting if you're putting this at 13 or 52. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's a good point. Cause yeah, I, I thought the ending saved it for me. Like I thought this probably would have been close to a 25. I a, yeah. I thought it was a real dumb ending. I, yeah. I did not care. Okay. Well, because I thought about that like pretty early on and I'm like, this is a dumb ending. And then they did it. Look at Well, I actually, so my prediction, cause I think they kind of hinted on, like, it's kind of obvious no one's actually murdering people, right? Like, like, like there isn't they actually murder. It's not like I was completely blindsided. It most definitely yeah. nudged it. And way to spoil it, though, there, Quentin. Sorry, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, fair warning to, to any film here. Uh, we'll try it. Like, if we get to a movie that you don't want to get spoiled, maybe skip ahead five well, minutes. Murder mysteries, so Quentin. These yeah. Can't be yeah, yeah, yeah. This no, one, yeah. not Babylon here or Sonic. Come on. <laughs> yeah. What I thought the ending was, was I thought Pete Davidson, like, was pissed that he lost, like, you know, that he was out of the game, so he pretended that he died. Like, I thought he, like, did, like, a, a trick on them. I thought he was, like, put, like, ketchup on his neck or whatever and pretended that he was dead. And then the twist was he was gonna, I thought the movie was gonna end with, like, him walking into the room being like, all right, guys, I fell asleep. What's going on? Like, I thought, like, the twist was he's not actually dead the whole time. But, you know, no, similar twist, but a little different. And I don't know. I thought the twist really worked because it was similar to what I was expecting to happen. I thought he was going to walk in and it was all going to be a joke. Uh, and so it was similar to that aspect. But I just thought, I think the whole concept of millennials freaking out, over-exaggerating, and killing each other over an accident that they weren't aware of is hilarious. Like the fact that we all overthink things and react and accuse people, like we're just so quick to jump on any train of, oh, they must have done it. It can't be me. I don't know what's going on. Like, I thought that played into the whole millennial aspect. I thought, it was, to me, this would have been close to, like, a 25 if, like, one of them was secretly the murderer. But I, I, it may, I, I love it way more because of the ending. But that's fair. If you don't like the ending, yeah, uh, I can see why you guys would have it at 35 and, you know, maybe 52. Uh, you know, the ending does have to work. Uh, you know, it was funny. It was entertaining. Um, but there, it, it's like 
if I want to watch a comedy, I will. If I want to watch a murder mystery, I will. This is kind of neither. Yeah, I thought it was both. I thought it was perfect. But that's fair. That's fair. Although I will say, um, don't want to get too much into spoilers here, but uh, I think last year, I think Hayne put like four movies in my top ten in his bottom five. So I think <laughs> I think Hayden was more fair with his rankings. I, 52 for this one is fine. I feel like he's, you know, Hay- Hayden's got a lot better with ranking movies. I, th- I think he killed it this year. You did a good job, Hayden. <laughs> <laughs> all right, on to 27, buddy. Let's go. All right, here we are for the 27th worst film of the year, and that is going to be The Fallout. Oh. So Hayden has this at number 13. I have it at 40, and Tristan has it at 47. This was okay, one of I'm jumping in again once picks. more here on this one real quick, because with The Fallout, uh, yesterday I made my list. So I didn't make my list until like the day before recording. I typically don't. Uh, unlike Quentin and Hayden, I don't really use Letterboxd much. I don't review movies as they come out when I watch them. You know, I kind of just sit and wait. I don't really review movies ever. Really. I just think about them myself. And they, uh, when I went down the list to make my list, I got to the follow-up. Like, wait, follow-up? What's the follow-up? I had to Google the follow-up and watch the trailer in order for me to remember the movie. And, like, at that point, I can't really put it that high. It's the only movie on the list I completely forgot. I couldn't remember what it was about. What happened? I vaguely remember Jenna Ortega being in it, and that was really it. I'm like, I can't remember this film at all. And that's the large reason I put it at 47. This is such a good year in film that if a movie doesn't make any impression at all, good or bad, I can't put it above the top, you know, the bottom 20. Like, I just couldn't. And so this isn't a terrible film by any means. It was just completely unremarkable. Yeah, I, I can jump in before Hayden talks about how great it is. I am kind of with Tristan. There's a lot about this movie that I don't really remember. It, like, it just didn't stick with me. And I do really like the story. And this one's a bit more of a mixed opinion. It's funny that this is side-by-side side with Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Because my only issue with this movie is the screenplay is very Gen Z. Like, I don't know if I'm just too old for this movie. But it's like a really good movie written by like a 15 year old like it was like just the language they like they just acted so weird i just couldn't relate to any of the characters i i don't know just the it's hard to explain like it was just it's a bunch of tiktok dances and a bunch of like doing drugs and saying zany lines i really like the story i actually really like the performance and i get why Hayne likes it because it's a pretty emotional take on you know surviving a school shooting and how you guys all react with people that bonded through the same terrible experience with you and obviously you know i love the movie mass last year as my second favorite film of the year but i think this one is just i don't know i want it's hard to explain without sounding rude i just didn't like the screenplay the, the writing just didn't really work for me but it's at 40. I, I think it's good. And I think I gave it a three out of five. Like, I think this is a good movie. I just don't know if this is how I would have wanted them to handle it. I, it was a little too like, oh, look at us. We're doing TikTok dances. And of course, it's to show how people that are 15, 16, 17 years old would handle going through a school tragedy. Like, it's kind of an updated take on a lot of the those brutal films you would have seen 10 or 20 years ago, like Polytechnique was a school shooting, which was brutal. And this is kind of like a modernized version about the newest generation, Gen Z. And so 
I get what it's going for. I just don't know if really it worked as well for me, but I, I think it's a good movie. Now let's pass it off to the Gen Z high schooler. Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay, so that's why I like this movie so much. I think it portrays high school perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, the TikTok dances were very, very cringy, but the only person who I remember doing them was the little sister, the person who yeah. didn't actually experience the school shooting. Um, so she's living life just like any grade six or whatever would. And grade six, I work with grade sixes, and I can see they're all on TikTok, they're all on Snapchat. So that's how a grade six would act. And then you go into the high schoolers, and you have people doing drugs, you have people skipping school, you have people using this to their advantage, but also you see Jen Ortega and the blonde girl, I don't know her name, um, genuinely troubled from this. And like they, they skip school for months because of how traumatic this experience is. And in reality, I feel like that's how high schoolers would go feel. Like it felt so genuine how they turned to drugs, they turned to each other because they felt like no one else in their family, like Jenna's family doesn't know how she feels. Uh, the therapist doesn't know how she feels, but this girl who she met in the washroom, person who she had no connection to prior to this event, she felt genuinely connected to, um, that felt so genuine and it felt so real. Like if that happened at my school or in, in real life, I feel like that's how people would react and would respond. So I get like why like you wouldn't connect to it because you're a little older, you're not in high school anymore. But like as someone who's currently in high school, it felt so real. And I thought I thought I thought it was really, really well done, which is why I picked it and put it so high. Yeah, if anybody like Hayden's age, and I don't know, if anybody Hayden's age comes up to me, uh probably don't because I'm an adult and it's a little creepy. <laughs> but you know, if any of them did come to me and goes, Hey Quentin, what movie should I watch? This would be one of the first ones I would recommend because this is a really good story that I think uh, is more directed towards that audience. And honestly, I am glad he picked it because I don't know if I, I never really plan on watching this. I kind of, I vaguely heard of it. I think Andrew mentioned it once. Um, and I am glad I watched because I, I do think it was good. And I actually think it's interesting to see a film that I've seen in like every decade and just seeing how like they handled it here. And Hayden's right. Honestly, this is probably a good depiction of, you know, six uh, grade six kids doing TikTok dances, and obviously uh, this film was very drug-heavy, and that's probably you know something you would see a lot in high school. So uh, it is handled well. Um, so I, that, that, that's fair. I don't remember it at all. <laughs> Tristan's like, it was a school I, shooting? Is this that, is a blur to me. Like, honestly, <laughs> can't, can't remember much about this one. Yeah. I remember pretty much every other movie on the left here. The Fallout. I, 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 only, I remember, like, some, the bathroom in particular, you know, the school shooting. Yeah. That's the one I, I do remember the most, for sure. And from my memory, Jenna Ortega does a great job at it. And I don't remember the screenplay bothering me, though. Like, I don't, I don't remember thinking, man, this is a, you know. I don't remember the screenplay bothered me. I also don't remember the depiction of a hot for me. I really, you know, I didn't get either one of those two feelings. Probably because I wasn't paying much attention to it. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember much from the movie. Like, I couldn't give you an exact line, but I just remember the feeling of, no. like, they would say a line, and I'd go, well, that was kind of cheesy. Like, is that really at the... So they really mentioned that during, like, you know, the movie's supposed to be more intense than I thought it was feeling for me. But I, I couldn't give you an example. It was a while ago. I don't know if I need to rewatch it or if it's just not as memorable, but I, I do think the movie's good. I, I didn't really watch any movies from this year, uh, besides the Batman, which is all twice in theaters, I guess. But yeah. I haven't rewatched really it since it was in theaters. And That's so true. if I don't remember the movie, I'm on the same playing field as the rest of them. Right? <laughs> you don't get special treatment because you're forgettable. I ain't rewatching. 
That's right. That's Tristan's rule. So if you came out early in the year, you're in trouble. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it does punish the movies that come out earlier in the year. I remembered Sonic 2. <laughs> Wait, you put it at what, 40? I put it below this one. I put it I like one or two below this one. Oh, interesting. No, no, no. I like Sonic 2. I put it like, I'm with Hayden. Sonic 2 is better. Uh, that's a Sonic classic. better for sure. Let me yeah. double check that. Oh, yeah, I had a way above this one. Okay, I was going to say. Come on. All right, we can move on to the 26th worst film of the year. And we're going to have one of Tristan's picks, Clerks 3. So Tristan has this at 18, Hayden has it at 38, and I have it at 44. I like this one. I like the, I mean, I like the Clerks movies in general. I, I think I've seen all the, all like the SQ universe films, whatever they're called. Um, I really like a, uh, the Clerks movies. I thought this one was a good wrap-up to the trilogy. I don't think it's my favorite of the Clerks movies, but I most definitely enjoy it a lot. Probably the first one. The first one's fine. I don't know. I like all, I like all three of them are pretty even. I, I don't think no. I, they're not, it's not like one significantly better worse than the other ones for me. I like them all three of them. I, I, the ending got me. I, I, this one did tug at my heartstrings. I, I, I shed a single tear at the end of this one. I like this one a lot. I thought this one was fun. There were some parts in the beginning, particularly leading into like the third act there that felt, you know, eh. but overall I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was quite funny. I really enjoyed it. I like all the characters, you know, Jay and Silent Bob, you know, Randall and they, uh, Whatever the blonde guy's name was, I like I like the whole the whole crew there. Like I like the Clark Smith. They're fun times. This one this one was no different. Good good wrap up to the trilogy there by Kevin Smith, and it really dives a lot into you know his personal life of making films as a, as an independent, you know independently making films as you're broke, and the uh, heart attacks and surviving that and how that changed your life and perspective and whatnot. Um, I really enjoyed this one. As a fan of Kevin Smith's work, someone who's been watching him for. He's one of the guys who first got me into movies. When I first dived deep into movies in 2017, I, that was when I first watched the Clerks movies and whatnot. I really, I really liked all of them. So I like this one as well. I'm not surprised you two didn't like it as much as I did. I know you guys didn't watch any of them prior to a, uh, this year when I made you watch them for this move, for this podcast. Uh, I, I'm not surprised by this at all, but I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I, uh, I think you saying all three of them are similar is the most insane take I've ever heard. Cause I, I think, think similar in quality, not similar in style. No, no, no. In quality, yeah, I agree. Still, the most insane take I've ever heard. I think they are so vastly different in quality. The first one is a solid four out of five, like a really high movie. I think the first one is really, really good. Like, I watched the movie and I loved it. And the thing that I like about Clerks 3, it reminded me how much I loved the first Clerks. But it kind of, like, I, I was watching it. I was like, well, I, I would rather just watch the first one. Like, this one was good. I have it at 44. I think it's a good time. I still think this is a decent movie. But it literally just makes me want to watch the first one more. And don't even get me started on Clerks 2. If that was on this list. Clerks 2 is hilarious. Dude, no, Clerks 2 is the best. (laughs) No, no, Clerks 2 would be number 58 out of 60. Like, it would be be down there. I hated Clerks 2. It was horrible in every conceivable way. I don't know why you think Clerks 2 is the best. Dude, no, seriously. Like, Clerks 2 is my favorite out of three. (laughs) Like, this one was good. And, like, it was emotional. I'd actually put this one better than the first. I think the first is the worst. I'm not saying it's bad, but uh, this one I liked the emotional aspect at the end. Like you said, perfectly. Like it closed the trilogy well, but it, there was no donkey fucking. <laughs> that, was, that was that was hilarious. Oh my that god! That got me so off guard. <laughs> it would be top fifteen if Clark's two was on. Oh my god! Oh man, that's it. All right, guys, we're scrapping this podcast. We're doing a Clark's <laughs> ranking. 
I, I will just rank all Kevin Smith's movies. All right, yeah, yeah we'll do a Kevin Smith ranking. Uh, Clerks 2 is... I haven't even seen the rest of Kevin Smith's movies, but th- that's at the bottom. Uh, I, I don't like that movie. It's horrible. It, it, was, it, it looked so terrible. It looked like such 2000s, like, oh, my God. The, the it was 2000s. And it, they're real indie movies. They've never yeah. been big budget. They're, they're, they're small But films. Clerks 1 looks so much better. It looks incredible. It's black and white. They did that to make it look good. Yeah. It real bad if it was. Yeah, but it genuinely looks like we're looking at footage of a convenience store. It looks like we're actually peering. Yeah, it looks like we're peering into the lives of these people stuck in a convenience store. It was a great slice of life film. The first, the first one's like a one. Yeah, great slice of life. It's such a slice of life film. It's one of the best slice of life films. I really like. I loved it. Probably my favorite. Clerks one was really good. I did get emotional in Clerks three when he said the line, "You're not supposed to be." That hit me. You know what I mean? Like I felt that as someone who's watched these movies. I've seen the first two count. I can't tell I've seen the first two. You know what I mean? Like, like that, that hit me for sure. I really liked the, uh, the, how they wrapped up the third one. Yeah, and that's fair. The Clerks 3 is pretty good. Uh, my, my only issue is that like, it just feels like it's just like Clerks' greatest hits. Like It was just a lot of reference to the first movie. and like, It kind of just felt like, okay, well, I might as well just watch it at this yeah, point. Yeah, I get that. But, sure. but I do get what you're saying, that uh, it does have moments that do hit. And the fact that they're kind of stuck with this life years after... I get that. Like it's, I think I think Clerks Three definitely has its moments, so I, I can agree with that. Yeah. Moving on to the 20, 25. 25, the 25th worst film of the year according to us, we have Intergalactic, which oh. is a, one of Tristan's picks, and I will die on this hill. I have it at number nine. Tristan has it at forty-two, and Hayden has it at fifty. Yeah, I, look, I I picked this one because I think I might have picked the one before I even watched it. I just thought it looked really cool. I love adult animation. Always love adult animation. And I love how this was like a uh, like a romance film, uh, but it's animated. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't really have to be animated. There's nothing this movie couldn't do in live action. They chose for it to be animated and used the medium so well. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. And the way they used music in this movie as well. Uh, they really used music very well in this film. Uh, to both, I think both of the main characters were artists. At least mm-hmm. one of them was for sure a musician. I can't remember if they both were or not. It's been a while since I watched it. Uh, beautifully animated. One of them's a cartoonist. That was it. See, I knew they were both artists. I couldn't remember they are both. Yeah, look at my list. 42, probably a little low. I should have. Yeah. I think, I, I think this might be my mistake here. This one's a little low. I, I liked this one a lot. I didn't love it. I wanted to love it more than I did. I liked it a lot. I, I, I didn't love it. Yeah. So when Tristan picked this movie and then I watched it, I thought, okay, this is going to be the Barb and Star of this year where me and Tristan oh. me well I just meant like in, like in the example of like me and Tristan are gonna love this movie and Haynes just not gonna really vibe with it like I just like, it was just <laughs> that, that's that's what I got not saying it's anything gonna be like Barb and Star but I thought okay Tristan picked it I loved it he loves animation this is it me and him are gonna die on the trenches for this film and then he sent me his lesson he put it at 42 and I thought oh yeah fucking kidding me <laughs> I thought I thought I thought I had a homie with me on this one, but uh, I'll die on Tristan's pick here. I think Intergalactic was incredible. I knew I literally never heard of this movie. I would have never seen this if Tristan didn't pick it. And it's picks like this that I'm really glad we do this podcast because I don't know if I ever would have seen this. And I genuinely believe this is the best looking animated film 
since Spider-Verse in the last four yeah. years, I think this is the best looking animated movie. The animation, the coloring, just the transition between all the different realities of their love and is just so visually powerful. Uh, I disagree that Tristan says this could have just been a live action because it's a romance movie. Uh, if this if this was a live action romance movie, it would have been like bottom ten. No, like, no, no. Yeah. I think I, yeah. yeah, I think I should clarify that there. Yeah, they, 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 there's nothing in this movie like with superpowers or crazy shit that had to be animated, right? They didn't do that to cover up a low budget because they didn't have the special effects budget for for, for the crazy action packed scenes they're doing. They had to animate because they wanted to because they wanted to use animation as an art form to tell a beautiful story. Yeah. You use the color palettes and the animation styles and varying styles in different scenes to tell the story uh like a lot of people think a romance movie why would that be animated right yeah. there's not a lot of just straight adult romance movies that are animated besides like princess movies which are meant for kids typically uh this one chose to be animated because it wanted to use the animation art form as an art form as a medium not as a genre for kids but as a medium for telling stories and they use it beautifully and i really liked that the, yeah. the plot itself didn't quite connect with me as much as the artwork did as the animation did, uh, but a beautifully done, beautifully told, great music. Overall, I can't tell you what happens in the plot, unfortunately. I, I, once again, don't quite remember. It's just, as a year as great as this one has been for movies, uh, Andrew Galactic was beautifully made, beautifully looking, um, but not quite as memorable as a lot of the other ones that I have seen this year. Yeah. Now, just the look of this movie. I think this is like one of the examples I'd use as like, using animation as a medium of storytelling like this is way better than modern animated films we normally get like this is just such a unique way to tell a story it's stunning i can't believe this is just some netflix movie that they didn't even market like i'm shocked that this movie exists no, yeah uh, well to be fair i have no idea why but this isn't actually a film according to right netflix. i know yeah it's considered like a special or whatever yeah it's a but yeah, i think it's, it's because like, I know it's Kid Cudi, the musician. I think he's the one who, like, produced it. I think it's considered, like, a musical special or whatever for some reason and not a movie, and I don't know why. Yeah, it's considered a special, so yeah, it doesn't qualify for the Oscar. So it was never a contender, and it's ridiculous. But it's, like, it's like 95 minutes of yeah. the film. It's definitely it's a movie. One, it's not part of a series. It's not, like, an, like an anthology series, like Black Mirror or anything. It's just a one 90-minute footage. Like, I don't know why that's not a movie. That's what I think a movie is. Yeah, it, it should have been a movie. It should have been nominated. It should have won Best Animated Film. Like, I think this is easily the best of the year for animation-wise. Uh, I really like this movie. Um, anyways, Hayden, uh, what, what's your thoughts on Intergalactic? Oh, man. Um, I'm <laughs> I don't remember this movie like at all. Um, I remember the animation being beautiful. And I remember not liking anything else. I remember really liking the music. The music was incredible, I thought. Like, nothing else really stood out to me besides the animation, which is why it's only at the top of my bottom 10 list. Not, like, I didn't want to put it any higher simply because I liked all the other movies better than this one. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. so it, it's the number of bottom 10. Well, technically, it's uh, your number, uh, it's your bottom 11. It was your 11th worst. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. It, <laughs> your, your bottom 10. Didn't okay, crack your yeah, bottom 10. Deserves to be. Even better. Deserves yeah. to be. It's, this is by no means my Honestly, like I said, I, think, I don't think I have this like too, too low, but I have this a little too low. It could be like, like, like 38, 37. No, I think I got it in a good spot. <laughs> Nine's a little high, only because like, besides the animation, there's not a lot else there. It's a pretty generic love story. 
oh, that's a bad thing. But like, you know what's going to happen when the movie starts. You know what I mean? Like, you know where we're going. I wouldn't call it generic, though. I, I think it's just such a genuine emotional it's, it's story. I, I yeah, thought it was it's sweet. Yeah, but yeah. I really liked it. Uh, and I think I have it at nine. Like I said, I feel very strongly about my top nine. You know, Babylon, I love it. But like, this is up there of just, I was wowed by this film. I really think this film is an achievement in animation. Yeah. And I don't yeah, say that lightly. Who, who probably has never even heard of this film. Um, or, and if you like animation, watch this one for sure. If you like animated movies, if you love animation as an art form, watch this one for sure. It's fantastic. If, if you're an animation fan like I am, you're going to yeah, I wouldn't say this is my favorite animated film since Spider-Verse. I would give that to Luca or Onward, but I would say this is the best looking film. Not animation for Jeans, Hayden's favorite movie of the past two years. Please. Thank you, Tristan. Yeah. I was biting my tongue. <laughs> well, no, no, I, I do really like, I love the way Mitchell vs. Machines look. That's definitely up there. I, I do think I like just, I like the style of this one a little bit more, but Mitchell vs. Machines, you know, Netflix has killed it twice. I think that's a great looking movie. Yeah, no shade on that one. Uh, easily one of the best looking animated films as well. They should just try, I don't know, advertising their movies so people can actually hear about them. They should. Uh, I like, never I heard of this movie. <laughs> I follow lots of you know, yeah. animation fans on Twitter and whatnot, so I care about most animated movies coming out. I, I, I actually you know, heard about this one just barely. Like One person tweeted it once. I'm like, hey, that looks cool. Go check it out. It's like, you don't hear about animation movies, especially Netflix movies at all. Yeah. They just drop them and that's it. Yeah. If well, you were on Netflix a day it drops, you're not going to find it. It's lost to the, the depths of the, the Netflix catalog. Thank you for picking it, Tristan. I never would have heard of this movie otherwise. All right, we can move on to the 24th worst film, according to us. And that is going to be The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is another one of Tristan's picks. I have it at 41, Tristan has it at 32, and Hayden has it at 29. Uh, yeah, a lot of this one, so I'll jump in here again. Because freaking Nick Cage playing Nick Cage, that's an obvious. <laughs> this one had to be on the list. And they, uh, I put it 32 right for smack dab in the middle of the tier. I really, like, I liked it, but I wanted to love it. You know what I mean? Like, when I heard that there's going to be a Nick Cage movie starring Nick Cage called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, uh, co-starring Pedro Pascal, and, like, this is going to be the best movie of the year. This is, this is top five. There's no way it's not. This is going to be incredible. And then I watch it, I'm like, you know what? It took a, something I thought was going to be super cool and unique and managed to make a, a, a sort of mid-tier comedy action film out of it. I thought it was only okay. Yeah. I really wanted to like it more than I did. It was good, had its moments, some fun callbacks, other Nick Cage stuff and whatnot. Um, but it, it really didn't push yeah, the boundaries of what a Nick Cage movie starring Nick Cage could have been. Because that could have been nutty. That could have been awful. Yeah, do you remember, Tristan, when they first announced this movie and we thought it was going to be out in 2021 and this was in my top five most anticipated films of the year? <laughs> like, in 2021, yeah, this... Like, yeah, I was really excited for this movie and I really, really wanted to like it and I like it, but I was expecting to love it. Yeah, like, I was stoked for this movie, to say the least, when I thought it was coming out in 2021. And then I saw the trailer... And it instantly made me realize that this is not going to be the movie I was hoping it was going to be. And it's fine. I have it at 41, which is, uh, you know, uh, right around that spot where I think it's a decent movie. It's a three out of five. It's fine. Uh, there's nothing great about it. It's not as incredible as a Nick Cage playing Nick Cage movie should be. There's a lot of fun callbacks to Nick Cage films. 
it is fun just to see Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal just chill and talk about movies. Like, it's meta. It's a good time. It's just not what I was hoping for a Nick Cage playing Nick Cage movie. Like, it's just fine. 41. That's where I'm at. See, um, I was under the impression that Tristan loves Nick Cage. Yeah, I do. <laughs> he is. So Who doesn't? Only, we were sitting in the theater, and Tristan turns to me and goes, excited to see Nick Cage. And I said, no. I don't like Nick Cage very much. I think he's been in two good movies. Well, you have, this is the highest of the three of us. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to point out how much of a hypocrite you are. Oh. <laughs> I like Face Off, and I like this one. This one was actually quite a bit of fun. I expected Tristan to have his top 20 easy. Because we walked out of the movie, and we were both like, yeah, okay, that was actually a lot of fun. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I don't get why Tristan... Well, we, we have it from the same spot. I got more three. Yeah, yeah, you guys are pretty close. I claim, I claim I don't like Nick Cage, and this is a Nick Cage starring, like Nick Cage movie. Yeah, like it's about Nick Cage, all about Nick Cage. But you see, here's the thing, Kane. I do like Nick Cage, and I believe in the potential of him to have made a better movie about himself. Yeah, okay, like, that's the difference. Here. I don't know. You can't mark it on the movie. It's not. You got to mark it on the movie. It is, and it is a fun movie. It's funny. It took so many turns. I was not. Yeah, I I, kinda, I had a blast with this one. I, I liked it. I don't like how they, they, they felt no need to shoehorn a, a random, like, you know, action, you know, escape scenes at the end. Like, I... It turned into a Nick Cage movie. Nah. I, I was wanting more. I was wanting crazier Nick Cage. I was, Cage. I was wanting Nick Cage to go... I wanted him to just go crazy in the room by himself. You know, like, that's... That, I was just wanting him to, him to go nutty. And it was, it was only a bad. Yeah, I want, like, Nicolas Cage from Mandy or Nicolas Cage from Raising Arizona. Like, I need, like, Cage to just go balls out nutty. But, like, this is a more subdued Nick Cage, and I guess he was more subdued for different reasons in Pig. So maybe this is just kind of the kind of roles he's looking for now. I don't know. Maybe this is just a little break between before he gets crazy again. But, yeah, I'm with Tristan. I uh, was excited a year and a half ago. And then once I saw the trailer, I kind of knew exactly what this was going to be. And it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. A perfectly fun time with Nick Cage, uh, but like nothing memorable, right? Like, like I don't know if I... I didn't watch the trailer, so I went in there expecting... I did walk out enjoying it, as he said. I did walk yeah. out thinking, well, that was a fun movie. It was just a fun, you know, comedy adventure film starring Nick Cage. Yeah. But it, it wasn't uh, all it, it promised to be in my mind. Yeah, Hayden, you have this at 29, and you had Pig in your bottom five last year, I'm pretty sure. Uh, we, we, yeah, we, fuck Pig. Pig's <laughs> really good. Pig's better than this one, for sure. Pig's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This no, one's more fun, though, than Pig. Yeah, I had so much more fun with this, this one. This one is more fun. All right. We can go on to number 23 here, and for number 23, we have Terrifier 2, which is uh, one of my picks. I have it at 46, Hayden has it at 34, and Tristan has it at 23. Ah, I didn't think I'd be so much higher than you guys. Look, I, I like this one a lot. I thought it was too damn long. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. That's why I have it at 46 uh, with you. Uh, the first yeah, Terrifier was perfect. too damn long as in it was two hours, not too damn long like Babylon, which was way too damn no, long. No, 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 this was three hours. Oh, this was two hours. No, this movie was three hours. Wait, this movie was three hours? I would have put it lower if I knew it was three hours. I forgot about <laughs> what? that. What? I thought this was only two hours. No, 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 it's, no, no. It's two hours and 18 minutes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, what? I yeah, thought, yeah, I thought... yeah, never mind. I'm fine. 
thought yeah, it was 40. Yeah, it was too long. This movie should have been like an hour 40. Uh, you know what I mean? But like, it wasn't like three hours. It wasn't that long. It was... it, this movie had the kills. Like, this movie had some oh, sick yeah. ass. Oh, man. The girl in the bedroom. Oh, did you hear, like, do you guys know the story about that? No, go ahead. Apparently, COVID was, like, they were shooting this during COVID. And, like, they had to go into lockdown, and they were at that scene. So, when in lockdown, they just spent all their time making the props for that scene look as realistic as possible. Which is why that scene just looked as, like, super fucked up. Because they just spent months working on that one scene and all the props. And, yeah, that, that kill was awesome. Yeah, if you're a horror fan, particularly if you like gory horror, you got to watch the Terrifier movies, both of them, honestly. Yeah. Uh, you got to watch these movies. They're super low budget. They're classic indie horror films, but they are nuts to butches, gore fests. They are intense and extreme in all the best ways possible. This was a year, and I think if you look at my list, where I thought horror was the standout genre. I think there are so many phenomenal horror yes. movies this year. And this one, yeah, really came out as being probably the most gruesome, easily the most gruesome, most gory. If that's the kind of horror you like, just bloodfests, this is the movie for you. I think it's a lot of fun. A little too long. Um, and, like, the plot, the, like, don't worry about the plot or anything. It's just doesn't matter. It's <laughs> not what you're here No. Yeah. Right? You're here to watch the kills. You're here to watch people just get shredded to pieces by this crazy clown. Oh, and the clown did an incredible job. Like, incredible. He doesn't talk about body acting and facial expression, but he does an incredible yes. job. Like, it takes a really unique kind of actor to pull off a performance like that, and I thought he nailed it. Uh, I did really enjoy this film. 23, looking back on it now, you know, because I made Melissa yesterday, so it's my way Melissa are always never super consistent, maybe a little high. Uh, but it's such a tough, tough list to make this year that uh, yeah, I'm really happy with this movie. I like this one a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it is a really good movie. Uh, I have it at 46, which is low. Uh, but it's mostly just the length and the fact that I just thought the first one was a lot stronger. And well, the first, you know, one, the first one had the best kill yeah. of any of the two movies. I will say there's one kill yeah. in the first one that's probably the best kills. Yeah, it maybe just because the first one was more of like a shock factor. Like I did not know what these movies were going to be going in, and the first one just threw me for a loop. And this is very much as a sequel off of that first movie. And I do recommend watching both of these films. It'd be a great double feature, especially if this one was a little bit shorter. Like <laughs> I feel yeah. like watching both would be pretty sweet. Uh, might be a little tough because this one is two hours and twenty minutes, and for a horror film, that is pretty long. And you do yeah, feel it's. You could have done it where like the double feature for both of them was like a, like three hours total, two ninety yeah. minute film, just yeah. over three hours total. That'd be an incredible double feature. Yeah, yeah, but I just think the film success is why I just had to pick it because I think it's such an interesting movie. Speaking of a great year for horror, this film just did so well in the box office. Like yes. it was on a. a super small budget and it was only supposed to be a limited time film it was only supposed to be in some you know limited theaters it was not meant to be a wide release but the film did so well and there was buzz that people had to leave by ambulance after watching the movie and people just <laughs> ran out screaming they couldn't finish the film it was so scary this was the movie that i was hearing in a year of great horror films especially like smile and barbarian like all these movies that had a lot of buzz and a lot of traction on twitter and stuff this is the one that I heard was the scariest of them all. Like, only the real adults can watch this movie. It's horrifying. Uh, and so I just thought it was a really interesting how this movie went wide release because everybody was talking about it online. And because everyone was talking about it, people actually went to go see this. And it made, like, 300 times its budget back. Like, it, like, I think it's the most profitable movie of the year. By yeah, time. like, it made so much money based off, you know, based off of its budget. Yeah, like, its budget was, yeah. like... $10,000 or something, and it made, like, a couple million. Like, it, it walked away with a lot 
Uh, and so I just think success stories like that is really fun. And it's just fun watching like low budget horror films, especially nowadays. Like nowadays it feels like they're all like blockbuster horror films from like Blumhouse or Universal or, you know, whatever. But this one just feels like it's its own thing. It feels such like a 90s slasher flick. Uh, and so it's just fun. It, it's, I don't love it. I don't even know if I would say I would like it. But I just think it's such an interesting movie for this year. So I felt like it had to be picked. Yeah, the one problem I had with the film was the little girl. The, like, little clown girl. Oh, yeah. I thought she was annoying. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see any point for her. It just, just gave us, it just gave us less big boy clown. I don't know. I really liked this film. I thought the kills were great. I thought it was real fun. Yeah. We can move on to number 22 here. And we have the film that's likely going to be winning an Oscar in a week or so time. And that is Pinocchio for the 22nd worst film. This is Tristan's pick. Uh, Hayden has it at 42. I have it at 31. And Tristan has it at 30. Yeah, this is where I do think I had Intergalactic too low. Because I, I like Intergalactic. You know? And here's the thing. I think this movie, once I like Intergalactic, this was beautifully done. Yeah. This thing is gorgeous. It looks fantastic. I think, I just don't really care about Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. I just think as a, as like a, a story. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not my story. I don't, I don't really love the original Disney uh, I don't really love any other, you know, renditions of Pinocchio I've seen. I watched live action one because Quentin made me was not on this podcast. Uh, I've seen this one also. <laughs> Pinocchio in general, I don't care that he's made out of wood. I really don't. His nose grows when he lies, and it's only ever relevant once in the whole film. I never really care about Pinocchio too much in general. I think it's kind of a lame story. But as far as Pinocchio movies go, this one's usually the best one. It's beautifully done. Yeah, I have it at 31. I'm, I'm pretty much on par with you. Although I do think I might still like the original Disney Pinocchio. You know, as much as I'm a stickler for Disney, uh, I, I, I do kind of like that original Pinocchio. Yeah, uh, see, I don't I know if it's just growing up. The twist me. of him never being able to die with a fun twist. And Very so fun. Why, yeah. yeah. I no, in this cool. movie, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I like. It has a lot of twists or, you know, at least changes to the original. Like, this is actually the yeah. one of the very few times that I look at a remake of a Disney classic, even though this isn't even from Disney, this feels like it actually has something different to say. There's a lot of things about this movie that's different. And so I enjoyed watching. I actually had a good time. <laughs> like most remakes off of Disney classics, they're normally just the exact same thing. Uh, this one's at least different. And, it, you know, it's enjoyable. I have it at 31. It's perfectly fine. I like it. I don't love it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's great looking. You know, there's no denying that. This movie, no, <laughs> I I like this movie. Uh, because like Tristan said, the whole point of Pinocchio is he's made of wood and his nose grows when he lies. But they didn't use the nose at all. The best Pinocchio is from Shrek. Oh, that's what's the character. I thought. Oh, hundred percent. Oh yeah, that's good. Like they they. <laughs> The scene where, like, he says he doesn't have woman's underwear on. Oh, that's hilarious. That's, I don't know how to make him funny in this movie. It was too serious by bringing him into a war. And I don't know. It just felt like this movie was just too serious. It didn't need to be a comedy, though. It's not a comedy. But Pinocchio is never supposed to be a comedy. It's a dude made of wood. You can make <laughs> so many pecker jokes. But they decide to bring him into war. Like, 
not every movie needs to be comedy. I have no problem with this one not being comedy. I have a problem with the fact that the Pinocchio's lame. If they made him funny like they did in Shrek, it'd be Highland 42. Shrek Pinocchio is hilarious. But to be fair, like, Pinocchio in every adaptation is supposed to be a very serious story. Like, the, you know, the, the animated film from the 1940s from Disney is almost a horror film. Like, it's terrifying. It's about the hardships of childhood and becoming an adult. Like, I think the, this tone of Pinocchio isn't the issue. Like, you know, I love Pinocchio in the Shrek movies, but that's the last thing I'd pick apart from Pinocchio. You know, I, I've... I'm kind of with Tristan where I just think the story is a little boring and you know yeah and if I do want to watch like a classic animated movie of like the trials and tribulations of having to go from being a child to an adult I'm picking Peter Pan every day of the week ah good point really good point I I like Peter Pan actually Pan the movie Pan that's a good one I haven't seen that one I've seen the the 2006 Peter Pan I haven't seen Pan sorry I meant Hook oh Hook's a good one Hook's a good one Hook is good in this stupid movie. Yeah, Pinocchio. This, as far as Pinocchio <laughs> movies go, I think this one's probably the best. This one's pretty damn well done. But uh, Pinocchio is kind of lame in general. You like this one more than Intergalactic, Hayden? Yes. Okay, all right. Just... I know I have it ranked higher than Intergalactic, but I think it, I would go back to Intergalactic before I watch this one again. Because Intergalactic is unique and interesting yeah. and cool and great animation. And I think that's probably the mistake of the podcast here for me, but that's all right. I will never watch either again, but at least I remember this movie. That's fair. I do remember this one more, but I also five months later, so it's too bad. That's fair. All right, so we can move on to number 21 here. It's another one of my picks. I feel like we're just going back and forth with Tristan and I on our picks here. Uh, but we have uh, we have Not Okay. So Hayden has this at 18, Tristan has this at 41, and I have this at 45. What? I thought it was okay. <laughs> I thought it was not okay. I thought I thought it was. I thought it was great. <laughs> Yo, she did. She did amazing. Like the actress, but she was good. Her name. She did really Zoe good. Zoe Dutch, right? Zoe Dutch is that her name? I don't know. She's really pretty. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. The movie was just like I don't know. It was just a blast. Like if it, it felt like yeah, Zoe Dutch. The classic like you tell a lie, you're gonna it's gonna get back to you kind of story. Where like she said such a little white lie and. It's, kept expanding expanding until it fucked her in the end but oh, i what's wrong with you guys i enjoyed this one i thought was, i thought this one was good it had a plot i thought the plot was pretty unique and interesting i thought it was a, a fun idea a fun romp um it gets a little too extreme actually a little too silly a little too out there at, at times for me and the um overall i thought it was pretty mid mid-tier for for the year we're in it's just a good year for movies Came out last year, probably, you know, on the other half of, of the 30 mark, but uh, on, on a year like this one, I thought, it was, I, thought it was, I thought it was good, but not great. I had fun, but not when I, I'm recommended to all my friends to go run out and check out or when I'm, I'm eager to jump back into. Yeah, not okay, I picked this one, and I feel like I needed to talk about this movie because I think this is the craziest story I've yeah, seen in 2022. It's, it's, <laughs> is insane. I think reading the description though is more exciting than watching. I agree. Yeah, the like, concept is insane. Yeah. The concept is ludicrous. Yeah, it's an insane concept, and so I applaud, especially nowadays when you know original films are few and far in between. Uh, yeah, well, except for this year. This year did have a lot of incredible original films, but this is about as original as it gets. I couldn't even fathom a concept like this where someone 
just to get some clout, which I think this works extremely well for 2022. It's a good depiction of the times where, you know, everyone kind of wants to get social media fame. She's a blogger. She needs to get popular. So she pretends she's in France and it just so happens there's a terrorist attack. And now she has to pretend she's a, you know, a survivor of a brutal attack that she was not part of. And she does start spiraling. I do love the little warning at the beginning of the movie that says this, the protagonist is not a good person. I think that's hilarious. I don't know if that's meant to be hilarious. I think the film is really interesting. My issue with not okay is like Tristan said, it's just told in such a weird way. I feel like such a good idea needed a crazier director or like a better writer or something yeah, because it felt too normal for such a crazy concept. Yeah. But the rest of the movie was very like, this is a perfectly normal film. Everything in here is just like every other sort of coming of age, young adult type rom-com film. Uh, but the entire plot hinders on just the craziest of the centers. Yeah. And I don't know about you guys, but one of the worst scenes of the entire year is in this movie when she's in the bathroom doing it with that guy and he's like, who's my little suicide victim? Like, that is just the, and I know it's, it's purposeful, but they should have edited that. They should have cut that scene out. That scene is the grossest. Oh my, you don't remember that? It's, it is no, the grossest. There definitely worst scenes in the year, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I can't even, when I saw that scene, I almost turned the movie off. Like, I was just, it was just so uncomfortable beyond anything else I watched. Like, it was just gross. And I also just really thought, the plot line of the one girl, the, the other blogger that hates her thinks, oh, well, maybe she's faking it. She figures it out because she hates this woman. And then she goes to her and says, hey, either you tell them or I'm going to tell them. Are you kidding me? This woman who's like another popular blogger that wants to overthrow this woman is giving her the chance to tell her story. There's no fucking way. This woman's definitely publishing this the day after. Like she's not checking in with her first. I like, I thought the entire ending hinged on a plot point that would have never happened in my mind. That other blogger would have posted that in a second and burned this woman alive, but she gave her oh, the opportunity to say it. Like, I feel like yeah. the other blogger knew she wouldn't just be burning her, she'd be burning the, uh, the African-American girl with her. Because like the two of them got so close because of the traumas that they've been through, where if that blogger were to post that, it would just destroy both. I don't think that well, blogger would, cares. The blogger wouldn't care. Yeah, I don't think the blogger yeah, would have right. cared. Honestly. I just I don't concept know. concept was just yeah, it's a cool it it's crazy. crazy. It so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was done well. I it is it good. Really it's a good concept. I thought it was done okay. I thought it was done too serious. I would have done it goofier. I would have been a little more out there with it. But I think this one and Unbearable Way to Math of Talent both sort of fall to the same same problem where the, the pitch line, the concept, you know, is more more intriguing and more appealing than the actual movie. I think I put this below in barrel weight. Actually, they're about the same for me, I guess. I guess that's a fair comparison. I have, I have this one up to a little below, and it's for me. And the Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal duo uh, takes the edge over not okay. But I think I have them within like three or four. They're pretty close. Yeah, actually, uh, well, one other thing I want, to be, I want to say about not okay, and it's more in Hayden's defense, one really good call by this movie, because I think the movie makes a lot of bad calls. However, the most important part of the movie, they did it right. And they made her the villain at the end. Yes. That so was a yeah, great she's call. She's the bad guy. Yeah. And I think more movies need to have the main, the protagonist be the bad guy. And I guess maybe that's why they had the other blogger 
uh, go and give her the chance to, to clarify herself because they're also making the antagonist the good guy. Um, mm-hmm. And I think more movies need to make the protagonist the bad guy. So we don't need to put disclaimers at the beginning of the film. Hey, the protagonist is not the good guy. They just happen to be yeah. the protagonist. It doesn't make them good. They're just the lead character, not, not the hero. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I really liked that decision. Like, she was about to go and make her apology, and she was, make, she was planning to make this whole speech about herself. And then when she went there and realized how much she hurt these people, uh, she realized that she needs to be the bad guy right now. Like, she's not the hero of the story. That was a good realization for her. That was a good message for the audience. Because I, I agree, especially if, like, you know, if, if this was going to be, like, going in theaters by Disney. I feel like they're going to make their hero heroic at the end. Like, you know, Cruella DeVille was kind of a good guy, bad girl boss at the end of the Cruella movie. As much as I like that film, uh, they can't have a villain as the lead character. Like, nowadays, you never see that anymore. Like, they're too afraid to make us hate the person we're following the point of view of. And I think this movie acknowledging and not trying to go leaps and bounds around oh, this person's a good person. Like, this is literally just a better version of one of the worst films of last year, Dear Evan Hansen. They both have a lie. They're both building off of this lie. They get trapped in their own delusion of them being this hero. But the movie of Dear Evan Hansen is trying to convince me that this person's likable and they're fucking not. And this movie goes, yeah, (laughs) she sucks. Good luck with that. And at least this movie owns it. So um, maybe I'm actually pretty low on 45. I'm starting to convince myself that there's a lot of things writing-wise that I just don't like. A lot of cringy moments. There's that one scene in particular I hate. But as a whole, uh, it it sticks the landing. It makes the right call. All All right. right. Here we go. Here we are. The 20th worst film. And uh, we're finally visiting one of Hayden's picks. We have Marcel the Shell with shoes on. So I guess between the two... We believe Pinocchio is the better animated film and should win Best Animated Film. This isn't animated. Uh, <laughs> technically, I guess it is. Um, I have it at 26, Tristan has it at 36, and Hayden has it at 44. What makes this movie animated? It's nominated for Best Animated Well, I know, I know that, but like... Well, he's stop motion. Everything, all yeah, it's stop motion. motion. Yeah, but like, everything else is real. Like, one character's animated. It's all stop motion, though. I don't know. I don't know. Like, is that really... Well, it's all stop motion except for the actual people. Yeah, except for the yeah. But I agree. I, think, I do think this is animated, right? I also think Avatar 2 is animated. Yeah. But I think it's hard to come up with an argument as to why this is and Avatar 2 is not. That's a hard argument to make. Neither are animated. They both are. Tristan's no. just smoking something. <laughs> I'm more of Tristan here. Uh, guess... If you see the human's face, it's not animated. Exactly. But then he has to rewatch Wally because. What about the live action? Uh, uh... Lion King. Yeah. Animated. Oh, animated. No, sorry, not Lion King. Uh, Jungle Book. Oh, animated. Yeah. Oh. How? Well, then what about Aladdin? What's the difference? Because there's more than one human. No, because Aladdin, like, how many animated characters are in Aladdin? There's only two. Well, I believe, at least the rule for the Oscars and why this movie qualifies for animated features, I believe it's forty percent of the film has to be animated shots. So 40% of this movie was shots of stop motion. Yeah, but Avatar 2 was significantly more Oh, important. well, yeah, yeah. And that's why I'm saying Avatar 2 would be animated. But And I guess that's why Jungle Book might not be because, you know, Mowgli is in almost every shot. And so I yeah, don't know if that... Yeah, and in, in Jungle Book, are they... 
the forest that they're in the background was that real footage and shots or was that all <laughs> no no no, no, no. That just, that's definitely yeah, all there's animated. no history of forest yeah. there's no way no 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 that's all animated then I, I would think more than 40% of it would be animated yeah, yeah. and that's I why I think it would be yeah and animation right. is a bit of a yeah is it, live action Lion King get nominated for best animated picture no because it sucks though this movie. Uh, yeah, I picked this movie before watching it, which, that's a mistake I will never make it. Because this movie fucking sucked. I went in thinking it'll be a cute movie um, about a shell. Not a documentary about a shell walking around a house for an hour. Yeah, I wasn't expecting like the mockumentary style, uh, which threw me off guard. But I didn't hate. I kind of appreciate it. I thought it was cute. Um... Yeah, I thought it was all right. I wanted to like it more than I. I agree. I yeah, I don't really know why. I can't really. I can't put my thumb on why I wanted to like it. Did it, it, I liked it? But I didn't love it. It was cute, but not a. Uh, it wasn't as heartfelt and heartwarming as I was thinking. It was cute, but I thought it'd be more of a, a real tearjerker, and it never was. I agree. No, I agree completely. And I think twenty six is a good spot for my point of view. Where I'm, 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 I'm kind of with Tristan. Where I think. It's a really cute film. I do really like it. I also really like the length. It's a nice, short, little mockumentary style of a shell just looking for his family. I think it's very sweet. I think Marcel is adorable. Like, I really like how he's just walking around, just, you know, telling us his point of view of everything. Like, everything's so amplified to him, right? Like, the raindrops to us is just, like, little raindrops, but to him it's, like, big. Pat, pat, like, on the windowsill. It's all spooky for him. Like, it's just his perspective of things is really cute. It's a cute idea. Um, but it's, it's not as, you know, heart wrenching as I thought it was going to be. Like uh, people kept saying this is going to be like Paddington 2 of just, it's such a heartwarming movie. You'll fall in love with Marcel. You'll love this so much. And I do like Marcel. He, he, he's a cute little fucker, but like, you know, I'm not, I'm not you know, breaking my heart over this guy. Like, like I didn't love the movie. Uh, I just, I thought it was perfectly enjoyable. Um, of the five nominations for best animated film, uh, I, probably would vote for this one like oh no just kidding puss in boots exists yeah, just kidding never mind i forgot about that movie yeah this one doesn't deserve to win let's go puss in boots well that's on that's on the other podcast we'll get to that one later uh that's what you think <laughs> could you imagine it's most definitely on the other podcast it's not bottom corner should have been best yeah um but no this movie's fine i don't hate it but I'm kind of with Tristan, where I wanted to love it more than I did. All right, we can move on to number 19 here. Uh, and this is a movie that I did love that Tristan called at the beginning. And that is See How They Run, which uh, was one of my picks. I have it at 17. <laughs> Tristan has it at 45 and Hayden has it at 47. I, I forgot how low you guys both had it. I thought only Tristan hated it, but no. He, oh, he, Hayden most definitely hated it more than I did. <laughs> I thought, like, look, we already mentioned there's a good few a, uh, murder mysteries, just quite a few murder mysteries this year. And a, uh, this one wasn't the worst murder mystery of the year. Uh, it certainly wasn't the best. I thought it was only okay and a, uh, perfectly sufficient if you're into the horror murder mystery genre. I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, this, this movie, uh, tried to be all artsy-fartsy, and I don't know, I don't know, just, It uh, did try really hard to be artsy-fartsy, and it didn't connect. I don't like artsy-fartsy films. I like artsy-fartsy Especially when they try to be artsy-fartsy for no reason, 
than to, I don't know, just for the sake of being it. Like, if they do it for, like, I don't know, Babylon, it was the, the vibe was there. But this one just did it for no reason. Uh, and actually, the, the twist was actually kind of nice. I actually disagree. I, that's where I think I might be a little harsh. Um, the twist was pretty good. Like who, who the murderer was or whatever? Yeah, was I, I actually, I didn't see that one coming. Way better than Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Fuck that movie. Yeah, that's the twist. <laughs> this one was a lot better, but it was less fun. The road to get there wasn't as Destination was it, better. The journey was less enjoyable. Exactly. It wasn't a crazy twist. Like, it was very looking back. But, uh, yeah, it was fine. None of the characters stood out to me. I didn't, like, I, I can't point to any and say, man, I really liked that person. Because I didn't give a shit about any of them. Yeah. So you seem to really like this one. Why, why did this one jazz you so much? Why, why, how did this one get you going? <laughs> Just the way you say it. Um, I really like this movie. I think this is exactly what I kind of want with a murder mystery. One that's like very meta, very aware. This is essentially, you know, for those that haven't seen another relatively niche film. This is basically a murder mystery version of Seven Psychopaths. Where the movie tells you exactly what's going to happen 30 minutes before it happens the entire time. If you are paying attention, you know exactly what's going to happen the entire movie. It doesn't hide anything. The first minute of this movie tells you who's going to die after the opening credit. And sure enough, that person died. And sure enough, the movie tells you how they're going to solve the murder. And sure enough, that's how they solve it. And so it was so satisfying Yes, it was, you know, kind of an artsy style with how they filmed the movie. It's very Wes Anderson. That's probably a huge reason why I loved the movie. It's such a Wes Anderson style, especially because they're running around in a gorgeous building. And it's murder mysteries, just like Grand Budapest Hotel. It gave me tons of Budapest vibes, which is the greatest film of all time. So, of course, I love this movie. I love that it was an ensemble cast. Everybody had great moments. And it was just really enjoyable to sit there and the movie said, oh, well, this person is going to dive in front of the bullet. And then 45 minutes later when you're watching it and you see, you know, the guy aiming the bullet, you're going to go, you're instantly going, okay, well, this person's going to jump in front of it. Like, you know, like you kind of know the beats exactly what's going on. Maybe that's very pretentious. I thought it was super satisfying. I had a couple glasses of wine. I was vibing. I knew everything that was happening. But at the same time, the entire time, you don't actually know who the murderer is. And once you watch the movie, you think back and just go, oh my God, they showed it to us the entire time. Like it was in our face. They, they tell you exactly what's happening, but they keep it just a little out of reach so you don't actually pick up on it until you think back on it. And it was so obvious what's going to happen. We won't do any spoilers, unlike what I did with Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. But I was very happy with this movie. I just thought it was a very fun time. I have Bodies Bodies more higher on my list, similar to what Tristan said. It's just a it was it was just more fun, right? Like it was just a more fun time. But I, I had a great time with this movie. You know, I, I'm not surprised you guys didn't like it. Maybe I'm in a mood for murder mysteries because I was just loving every second. All right. Uh so coming into number 18. The 18th worst film, according to us. And it's another one where I'm kind of on my own ship here. Story of my life. But we have another pick of mine. And that's going to be Bullet Train. So I have this at 22. Tristan has this at 44. And Hayden has this at 46. Man, me and Hayden are pretty close on a lot of these, eh? <laughs> yeah, you guys are thick as thieves over there. Uh, it's weird because we did not see this one together. We never discussed this. 
Uh, but we each have to both put a pretty near the same spot there. Yeah. I was excited for this movie. Um, but this one just felt super generic. Like, it was just action on a train. This movie felt forgettable. Like, a few days passed before, like, I wrote my review a few days afterwards. I, I was really thinking, like, what did happen in that movie that I enjoyed? And I came to the conclusion that I didn't really care about any of it. The action was very well done. Um, the casting was good. I think Brad Pitt did well. But none of it stood out to me. None of it was, wow, that was amazing. Like some of the other films, especially on the next podcast. So that's why I put out 46. Nothing was great. Everything was just good. Yeah. Well, the one thing I thought was like great or close to great was the action. The action was quite good uh, for the most part. I thought all the quite good. The actual plot itself was, was meaningless. It was a it means and an end to get the action scenes. Most of the performances, including Brad Spitt, were, were done fairly well, but once again, also just sort of the, the action scenes. It really felt like the, the action was really the, the, real, the real show here, what you're coming for. I didn't really love the, 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 the ending with the whole, you know, spoiler, I guess, your train derailment when the train goes off the rails or whatever, you know, all that. Didn't really care for any of that kind of stuff at the end. But overall, I thought the action was really well done. Good action movie. But it didn't really. It felt like a real Guy Ritchie film. It didn't Guy Ritchie. Yes. Like one of his movies. It felt like The Gentleman or something like that. But you know, The Gentleman and most Guy Ritchie films have a little more attention to the plot. You know, there's a little more going on. This one really just felt like it was like hey, we're we're here uh, to sit in our seat and watch watch the train go forward and all the action. You know, all the all the craziness happening on the train. The action was great. The action in this movie was great, but it wasn't the best action. It wasn't the best action movie. And so I, I think if this came out another year where the action movies were a little more lackluster, not as many of them, not as many ones, this might have found its way a little higher up on the list, maybe a little closer to Quentin has it. But near like this, with the movie that came out this year, this one is forgettable, like Hayden says. I can't tell you what the plot is. I can't remember. I can't remember where the train left from or where the train was going. Uh, but I know that the actions were pretty well done, and that was, those were my favorite parts of it. Yeah, I think calling this a Guy Ritchie film was a uh, very good comparison. <laughs> it's very yeah, much it like a Guy, Guy Ritchie, Ritchie film. Yeah. It very much does. Yeah. And uh, I think Guy Ritchie action flicks are my kind of style. Like I, I've seen, I guess only two of them and I really liked them both. Uh, I kind of like the action style of this movies where it's an ensemble cast. It's kind of all over the place, but at the same time, you it's easy to follow. Like you guys are saying, it's not a hard plot. But it's yeah. still so chaotic and all over the place. Like, there's so many people on the train, and they're not afraid to murder these characters, right? Like, they're so quick at just murdering people. You don't really know who's going to come out of this train alive, except for probably Brad Pitt, if I was to take a guess. But pretty much yeah. anyone else is, is, is free range to just go on this murder spree. Like, it's action-packed, but there's also, like, stakes to it. Like, people are dying. Uh, there's twists and turns with all the different characters. And I like how one character, like, character A will interact with character B, Character C will interact with character D, and then, like, 20 minutes later, D and B are fighting, and C and A are fighting, and, like, they kind of interconnect in different ways, but they're never all in the same room, right? Like, there's always one train that has a few people fighting, another cabin that has some other people fighting, and then they kind of just swap them up everywhere, and, like, each fight is dynamic because there's different people involved, and they all have different move sets. Like, it's kind of just watching, like, you know, a bunch of crazy fighters in a room, uh, or in multiple different rooms, and just seeing how they would each play out in each fight. I thought Brad Pitt was pretty funny. I actually thought a lot of the jokes were really funny, which is surprising, because the writer of this movie, it's gonna be a hot take with you guys, I guess. I'm in the wrong room here, but it's the writer of Deadpool 2, which I think is an extremely boring and unfunny film. 
And I thought this movie was hilarious. So clearly, like, with different projects, a writer can make different kinds of jokes. Like, I thought the guy liking the Thomas the Train stuff, which, by the way, the first 30 minutes I, had me rolling my eyes. Like, I thought this is idiotic, dumb. But by the time we get to, like, the end of the movie where they, like, have the sticker of the evil train on the backpack and he goes, oh, yeah, you're, uh, I, I don't know my Thomas the Train characters. Um, but he, that's how we knew that his buddy died from that guy. I thought that's hilarious. Like they made references. It, a lot of the jokes started to get really funny near the end. I don't know if I just started vibing with it. I also really liked the Japanese neon aesthetic of the film. I thought this was a pretty good looking movie, especially compared to most other blockbusters we get over the last few years. Like I thought this one looked pretty good. I agree. It kind of went off the rails literally, like Tristan said. And the ending I don't love. Yeah. But... Uh, and that's why I have it at 22. Like, like, I think this is a good movie. I don't love it. But, god damn it, uh, I had a pretty good time. <laughs> like, I, I, this yeah, is just a good a time. It's going to be like action yeah. movies. I'm sure you've already checked this one out. If not, go check it out. The action in it is fantastic. Yeah, really good action. It is very guided, which you like. And I do that, like how Quentin said, with the way the characters are interacting and how anybody could die, any, except for Brad Pitt, of course, because it's yeah. Brad Pitt. Well, of course. Um, however, I feel like if I cared about the characters a little more, maybe that would have would have made me you know, a little more invested in the plot. There are characters I, I wanted to die and characters I didn't want to die. But honestly, I, all of the characters in the movie were pretty... They're all unique, but I cared about them all pretty much the same. They all could have died as long as they died cool, I, I, and then I'd be happy with them. Yeah. And to be fair, I, I agree with you that... I have this at 22 because I think it's a really good action movie, but this would not crack my top five action movies of the year. Like, this, no. this year was incredible with action films. Like, really, really yeah. good. And yeah, this one was just... Like, this was a pretty good action flick, but, like, in comparison, yeah, it, uh, it doesn't really hold much of, you know, it doesn't hold much of a fight with the others. So we can move on to number 17 here, and it's going to be another one of Tristan's picks. I guess uh, my Ooh. movie's going to take a bit of a break here, but we have Turning Red. Where's all the box office? How, is box office all in the top half? Uh, good year for box office, yeah. I, I noticed that, too, when I was going through this. Um... We did a bad job picking this year, I guess. Tristan has Turning Red at 26. Hayden has it at 41. And I have it at 52. I like this one quite a bit. I know you guys didn't. And I, I know this is probably not the most popular picks I'm the week. I thought this one was a lot. I thought it was adorable. I had a good time with it. I really like how it was very much set in like the early 2000s. I thought it was a, uh, a good time. I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I, I really like the way they handled the, uh, you know, obviously it's most of those. Yeah, becoming an adult and going through adolescence and how that changes your body in different ways and changes, you know, how you behave and how you act and all those kind of things. The one thing I really liked in this movie, and I was worried, most of these kind of movies, when a character turns like a big, you know, in this case, a big red panda, uh, half the movie is filled, is half the movie's all like people react, oh my gosh, this is crazy, this is wild, running away, oh, fish out of water scene, so funny and goofy. When immediately her friends are like, oh, you're a big red panda, that's awesome, let's start taking pictures. You know what I mean? Like immediately, like they didn't have half the. 30, 40 minutes of just, like, the, the same stupid fish out of water moments you get, like, like the Tom and Jerry movie. Clifford. Clifford, another good example. Yeah, it's a big red dog. 40 minutes going, wow, that's a big red dog. We got that in the first five minutes. We can move on from that. Here's, like, all our friends are immediately go, oh, you're a big panda. That's awesome. Let's keep going. We're best friends still, right? Because why would that change things in real life? I mean, obviously, it's not real life. But I, I like that. I thought they handled it pretty well. The film, I thought it was really good. I loved it. I thought it was pretty awesome. I thought it was good. You guys, I think you guys are a little hard here, Quentin. 52, come on. 
Eight worst movies yeah. of the year? Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, this would be my bottom ten for this list. You know, there's a lot of worst movies that came out this year, but uh, of this list, I, I I just don't like this movie. I don't hate it. I don't have like this that many issues with it, but it's just such a forgettable movie. Like, there's very little of the movie that I remember. Still, it's kind of there where like what happened. The only thing I really remember from this movie is the last 45 minutes and that's because i really hate the last 45 minutes yeah. the only thing i remember I is the end i was just gonna say the yeah. one part i didn't like is how they once again shoehorned in a big battle scene at the end they wanted yeah. to have a big action scene yeah they had a giant giant panda and then to like rebel me lynn is like twerking at the giant giant panda like i don't know it was it's fine the first 30 minutes i remember thinking was cute i don't remember what parts of it i thought was cute i kind of forget most of the movie except for the ending so i don't know it's kind of pixar's most forgettable movie and i want to reward this movie i want to like this in comparison to you know what pixar films especially lightyear have been doing which is kind of just going off of their old nostalgic movies like like i want to reward the lucas and the turning reds and the souls of the world and i want to you know put my nose up at the you know Incredibles 2 and Finding Dory and Lightyear. But uh, as I, I wanted to like this movie, and I, I just, I, I don't. It's, it's just not my thing. I like the whole aesthetic. I like the movie looked really well. It's in I Canada. Like, exactly. I like that it was yeah, in, Toronto. in Toronto. That yeah. was really cool. And the whole relationship between the mother and the daughter was good. I loved it for the first hour of the movie. Um, it felt like the whole movie relied basically on their relationship, but also her relationship with her friends and how when growing up, you start to distance yourself from your family and your friends start to become a second family, start to become more important as you get into those later teenage years. And the mother was scared of that, so their relationship was rocky. But then, it just, yeah, it just turned to a battle. I wish there was another way they could have went about it that rekindled their relationship as a mother-dog instead of just having a big fight scene. I don't know what they could have done, but I wish they did something different. There's so much they could have done. I really think this movie does a great job, you know, going through puberty, becoming an adult, through become being a teenager, turning into an adult, from being a child. So it handles that pretty well, particularly in the first, you know, half, first hour or so. Uh, as Hayden mentioned, you know, shifting relationships with your parents and with your friends, friends are becoming more important, your relationship with your parents is shifting as you're grown, become more of an adult, you know, that kind of stuff. I thought they handled her relationship with her dad also very well. A lot of times when Obviously, the mother-daughter relationship was sort of the, the beating heart of the film or the, the, the main through line to the film. They often just forget about the other parent and the other parent doesn't do anything. But she most definitely did have a good relationship with her father and good scenes with her father, even if he wasn't as important as the mother. Uh, I thought it handles all that really well. It, did, it made it real relatable, I think, for, for young girls, young boys watching this. Even though it's about a girl turning into a red hand, uh, I think even kids can pick up on that. That's an analogy for, for, for puberty and changing bodies and all that. Wait, it was an analogy for puberty? And they, uh, in general, periods, <laughs> I guess, specifically on the thoughts. Uh, I, I really just wish they would find a way, because they made it all so relatable and, and four kids and all that. Then they just throw it all away and have a big battle at the end. And obviously, no actual kids will never have a big, massive battle with two giant pandas with their parents. And that's just, you know, they kind of threw it all away because they wanted the action at the end. And I do agree, of all movies, this one for sure just didn't eat it and it did a disservice to the film overall. But I thought the first hour or so before the big thumping panda came into, the, into it at the end was quite, I really enjoyed it. Anyways, uh, moving on to the 16th worst film, according to us. And 
Is it even a movie? Uh, you know, I guess that's up for debate. We have the... No. What? I have, no, I have no idea what it is. I already know what it is. What is it, Hayden? It's uh, Murderville. Yes, it is Who Killed Santa? The uh, Netflix Murderville mystery. Uh, yeah, this is Hayden's pick. He has it at 32. Tristan has it at 40, and I have it at 49. I thought this, I thought this was hilarious. I thought this was very fun. Um, I immediately knew who the murderer was. Of all the murder mysteries, of, I liked it. I thought this one was quite, this might be the funniest of all. This one was hilarious. Uh, it's also easily the most guessable. It was really obvious to the murderer. And obviously most of it being improv. I thought it was real. I love improv comedy. I want to see more improv movies. I, I think this idea of having an improv movie where half the actors are in on it, and then you take another couple of other actors, throw them in there with fucking nothing. Just say, have at it, buddy. Figure it out on the spot. And like Jason Bateman. Russian he was role. hilarious. He was so funny. I love improv. I think we should see more improv movies. I thought this was good. I think murder. And I saw the TV show of Murderville, and this was way better than the TV show I thought. I think it had to do with the extra 15 minutes. You know, this was only like 45, 50 minutes compared to like the 30 minute episodes. Having an extra 15 minutes in there, a little more wiggle room for the actors to have fun and goof around, you know, not just pushing through bullet points a little faster to get to the murder. I thought it was good. I really liked it. I thought this was a lot of fun. It's, as Quentin says, is it really a movie? Is it not? It's not, you know, all this high quality as all the other films that came out this year. Um, so 40 seems like a fair spot, but I had a blast. This was most definitely a fun time. A fun 45 minutes, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's because I watched it with Dad. Dad just makes comedies more funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, yeah, that's laughing, fair. I was laughing at every joke. Dad and I were... We I thought, was laughing at every we joke. We were you good this. I watched it by myself. It's hilarious. Spoiler, there's two murders. I'm not going to say who. But uh, Dad guessed one of them. I guessed the other. So we kind of tag team this. But uh, yeah, the entire movie was just funny. And that's why I picked it. I thought I, I did not expect to really like it. I just put it on because it was a fun uh, Christmassy kind of movie to guess into the Christmas. But yeah, no, I was laughing the entire time. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, maybe I needed to watch this one with Dad. I laughed at a decent amount I, 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 i'm not saying it's not funny but like i feel like either like the improv bits were really good or they just didn't work like like there was like about half of the bits i kind of just sat there and i was like okay this is dragging on a little too long this is the not one, really that one funny. girl would do that she kind of sucked uh oh no, no no wait are you talking about maya rudolph yeah she's no, no 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 i thought she was oh, hilarious no, no i thought both of the people actually like doing the improv thing. Like I thought Jason Bateman and Maya Rudolph were hilarious. I thought they were the two best parts. And like the host was fine. Like, like, like he was good, but like, you know, like the people that were acting, some of the bits weren't the best, but my biggest issue with this isn't the comedy because the comedy's fine. My biggest issue is the murder mystery itself because it really well, one it was kind of obvious. And two, the, the main person that did it. Okay. Spoiler, if you are watching this and you really don't want to get spoiled on Who Killed Santa, a Murderville murder mystery Netflix special on Netflix, um, skip ahead a few minutes. But the main person that did it, Maya Rudolph, didn't see it. She wasn't there. Yeah, no, so I agree. Same thing. And then more spoilers, I guess. Pete Davidson comes in. As yeah, like Pete Davidson. And Pete Davidson. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. It, 
I think it didn't really matter though. Like this isn't a serious murder mystery. You know what I mean? Like it was, but I agree. I think it was weird that Maya Rudolph didn't get a chance to see. Yeah, and, and when they were revealed, Maya Rudolph was even like, "What? What the fuck? I wasn't even here for that one." Like, <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. Maya like, Rudolph yeah. <laughs> like it kind of pissed me off. Like. If you're gonna guess, right? Like she went and visited a bunch of people. She visited the people that didn't kill him. She 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 literally didn't see the guy that killed him. What the fuck is yeah. like? Why is she even there then? Like why why did you have her come later? What was the point? I assumed they just had a really funny bit for Jason Bateman and they didn't want her there. But don't make that guy the fucking murderer then. Are you fucking kidding me? Like it's fundamentally broken. Why did they do that? And then Pete Davidson loved him in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. He was utterly unbearable. He cannot what? improv for his life. He just stood there and just was so bored out of his mind. And I then he was quite funny, but he was, I agree that his improv wasn't the best. He, was a, he, he wasn't awkward. in a character. He was just being Pete David. Yeah, he's an awkward dude. He's, well, he's well, funny. Well, he needs to get a script like Buys, 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 because as himself, he's utterly boring if that's how he was. I don't know much about this guy. I he was quite funny. Oh, my I God. I, I don't know much about Pete David. This might be a hot take. But he was unbearable in this. Uh, like, he almost made me not like bodies, bodies, bodies. He almost made me like less because he was so bad in this. He just stood there and he like cut the wire. And then when they were guessing who the murderer was and he just went, well, which one did he say? He said he thought that uh, it was the host. Yeah. Yeah, because the other two uh. guessed people who weren't really candidates. So he's we like, fuck it, I'll do it too. Yeah. Yeah, that was dumb. That wasn't even funny. Like to be fair, though, the loudest I laughed was Jason Bateman saying it was suicide. Easily the best moment of the entire video. Like, that, that was so good. I don't know why that was so funny to me. Like he's like, "Oh, it was suicide," and then the host like almost died. He like he broke character. He's like, "Wait, what?" And then Jason Bateman, like, had actual logic. He, like, listed off some things. And you know what? Fuck it. I believed him. It was suicide. Uh, but then Jason, yeah, and then Pete Davidson was just like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to be funny, too, for no reason. And like, yeah, whatever. Uh, I, I thought Jason Bateman was fantastic. Jason Bateman was really was good. a great actor. I yeah. really, really proved his acting chops. I, I love Jason so Bateman. I also love Maya Rudolph. I thought she had some really funny, it, honestly, just her laughing at everything was hilarious to me. Like, she didn't have any funny bits like Jason Bateman, but she just laughed at everything. And it felt like I was her. Like, I, just laughing at Jason Bateman doing ridiculous things. Uh, I, I did vibe with the movie. I thought it was fun. Uh, but I thought the, the, the reveal and just... Uh, the entire thing was broken. It, it makes no sense. It, it's, it's terrible. All right, bottom 15. Here we go. Bottom 15. Tristan wanted a movie from the box office, and he's going to get it. According to us, the 15th worst film of the year, we have an MCU flick, and that is going to be Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And I don't know how the hell I'm carrying this movie. I must have this way too high, because I, I don't even really love this movie or like it. But uh, it's uh, number four from the box office with over $400 million domestically. I have this at 34. Kane has this at 40. And Tristan has this at 49. Yeah, I'm pretty low on this one again. I, uh, yeah, I like this one. There are parts I really... I think the entirety of it was, was made wrong. I think Dr. Strange should not have been the main character. He's the most boring, white-bred main character in the MCU as all. I don't care about him. I don't. I like him as a, like a supporting character sometimes, I guess. But like, And I like a, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. No, 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 no shame on him. Of course. Dr. Strange... 
He's like, like I said, he's like white bread. He's so boring and dull to me. I just don't care. Scarlet Witch should have been the main character. There should have been a movie of her going into a descent of madness. But of course, as we already discussed with Not Okay, Disney in particular will never have the bad character. The main character needs to be the good guy. So they have Doctor Strange, who's significantly less interesting, way more boring, does not deserve that much camera time, and you had him be the main character. And they spent 40 minutes in this dumb romance love story that I couldn't care less about. And they, they shoehorned in all the cool multiverse and uh, Scarlet Witch stuff in like 30 minutes. And I'm like, I don't care. They went to three different multiverses. Madness, they went to three different multiverses. That's it. That's nothing. Come on. Uh, there was so much potential and some, like, some really cool moments, uh, but there were few and far between in a sea of mediocrity. Yeah, there were some high highs. There were. There were some cool like, like the moments. Whole, the they, illumination? Yeah. Or, no, no, the Illuminati. And then, or even at the end with like all like the sort of horror aspects and the bottom of, of uh, you know, Scarlet Witch just, you know, transformed like the big sort of evil. I thought it was cool. I thought, I thought there were some really cool moments. When Sam Raimi's directing style and artistic eye really came out, you can really feel that in some scenes. And those were the best parts. Then you can also really feel the big thick of the MCU coming down on this movie hard, <laughs> saying this is the way it's got to be, buddy. got to fit in line. And that, that really weighed on the film. And overall, I thought it was only a... Yeah, Doctor Strange, he's like a cool hero. I think his power is super sick. But he, as a person, Doctor Strange, he's, yeah, like you said, he's white bread. He's, yeah. he's boring as fuck. I mean, have you watched any, like, Grey's Anatomy? He's yeah. a fucking doctor. Of course he's gonna be boring. Yeah, I mean, But, like, Scarlet Witch is such an entertaining character. And I wish, although she, she was, like, the entire movie, um, I wish we got to see more of her, more of her reasoning, if that makes sense. We saw a lot of it, but there was more time with Doctor Strange going and talking to this little girl than there was about her truly like explaining why she was insane. She wanted to be in a universe or a multiverse with her kids, but why couldn't she just get the girl, go to her kids, and then just let her leave? Why did she feel the need to kill this kid? And that's something, like, I, I, you guys know the answer to that? Well, I don't know how she was going to have to force the girl to do it because I don't think the girl would have willingly brought her to another universe so she could murder the mother of those actual kids and then become their mother. Like, I don't know if she would have oh, ever supported that. Okay. okay, like, there's just so many unanswered And I felt like if they spent more time with Wanda and last time with Doctor Strange, we would have had more answers, and it just would have been a better movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't really need more answers with Wanda. I agree. I, I would have loved more camera time with her because she was the standout of the movie. Like, like I oh, think, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is one of the most interesting takes in the MCU in a while. Like I like this is probably the most interesting character arc since Thanos and Infinity War. Like this is a I think Wanda in this movie is really interesting. Like I really 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 love her going absolutely mad cuz she has lost the man that she's loved, she has lost her children and she is alone in this world and it's not fair that she can access all, she has all this power, but she can't get into another universe with her children, and she'll do anything she can to get it, and it's this woman mad with power, I kind of love this idea of superheroes, like, like you know, kind of like why I like the boys, like, like, I love the idea of, these people have superpowers, right, like, what's stopping them from just fucking shit up, and so I just think having this character who was a hero for 80 
90 movies. I don't know. You know, a lot of fucking movies. Uh, like, she was the hero for a lot of them. But she's gotten weaker and weaker. She's lost more and more throughout these films. And so she's eventually broken. And so I think that her character in this movie is really interesting. Like, I really, really love the scene where her kids are yelling and screaming and crying at her. Like, they're ter- these kids that she's done so much to get to are looking at her and are terrified of her. Like, that's really cool. And, and you know, Elizabeth Olsen killed it. She looks so crushed. She looks so distraught at the kids that she was fighting so hard for are terrified of her because she's not their mother. And that's really, really good. Like, that's so exciting. And there's so much stuff about this movie that I really liked. I love that scene where that star girl, kept, I don't know, Chavez or whatever, uh, when, when she yeah. uses her portal to have the kids look at her right when she's about to murder her. Like, that's so good. Like, that's, oh my gosh. And that's so, and that's so Raimi. Like, the horror aspect, the campiness of it, it's really cringy writing. Um, but, like, that's on par for the MCU for me. Like, most of the writing is pretty bad. And in this one, I don't know. The cringiness kind of seemed intentional. It kind of seemed more charming than normal. I don't know if it's just because uh, I, I'm, I'm biased towards Raimi. I binged Raimi's entire filmography f- before this movie. I don't know why I did it, because he made a lot of movies, but I binged his entire filmography before this movie, and I loved it. I really like Raimi as a director, and I think this movie is easily, in my opinion, uh, the best Phase 4 film from the MCU. Like, I don't love it but i think there's elements of this movie that's really good and i really like uh you know uh whatever her name is i'm terrible with these superheroes uh, what, what's elizabeth wilson's character scarlet again? uh scarlet witch yeah uh, i think scarlet witch is really good in this movie i agree dr strange is uh super unmemorable i don't really care about him but on the flip side i also really liked the horror aspects like just was saying like during those mirror scenes where she's like coming through the mirrors trying to like hunt, hunting them down like elizabeth olsen is really really good in this like she's really good like you know if we're gonna nominate uh an mcu actress for best supporting actress uh, they, maybe they should have done elizabeth olsen instead of angela bassett but anyway well we'll get to that later uh but i thought elizabeth olsen was really really good in this um a, a clear standout <laughs> like, i don't know i think having her be the lead would have been incredible. Yeah. Still have her be the bad guy. She's not the good guy. She's just the protagonist. She's still the bad, the mad witch. She's still going crazy. I think inside of this movie, there's like an eight or a nine out of ten movie in there. But yeah, they chose to give it was like a four out of ten. I agree. There is a better movie in this. Like they could yeah, have done something. Absolutely. Yeah. Like they deliberately knowing what they're doing because it was a safer bet, and that's weak. I did not like that, and I punished extra hard for that. That's why it's forty nine. Yeah. Well, to be fair. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, to be fair, they uh, they they had a director before this. I forget who it was. Uh, did you recall who it was supposed to be trust? Cannot remember. Yeah, I can't remember, unfortunately. But the person that was doing it said this is going to be a horror film. This is going to be really like, like this is just going to be a genuine horror flick. And they, you know, he he left because they wouldn't. They they he was too restrained to the MCU formula. He they they wouldn't let him make an actual horror film. And it really feels like in this one. Raimi kind of picked up the script that that guy had and went, okay, I'll make this more MCU friendly. Like, and it's got really good horror elements, but you can tell that there's more there. Like, you could tell that they wanted to make more out of it and they just didn't. All right. So we can go on to number 14 here uh, for the worst, the 14th worst film, according to us. It's another film from the box office. We're two for two. 
Uh, this one, I'm going to be the one that's more down on it because we have Lightyear, which made $118 million in the box office domestically. I have this at 55. Tristan has this at 43, and Hayden has it at 28. Yeah, you're really low on it. I have the bottom six of the year. Yeah, yeah I hate this movie. <laughs> why is that? Tell us why, Quentin. I just think this is a, just a genuinely bad movie. Like, I, I don't like anything about this uh, in relation to it being Buzz Lightyear. Like, none of this makes sense to me, right? Like, it, just, it, we're going with the concept of this is the movie that Andy fell in love with. First of all, that movie was called Space Rangers, not Lightyear. Get your fucking shit straight, Pixar. But... If we're going to pretend this is the movie that Andy loved, like, why does Andy like Buzz Lightyear in this movie? He's not like, are you telling me he doesn't have an action figure of the cat? Are you telling me he doesn't have an action figure of, like, the young quirky girl? You're telling me that Andy, Andy liked the the super serious Chris Evans version of Lightyear? There's no fucking way. It'd tell me one kid in 1996 or 1994 that saw Lightyear and said, oh, yeah, baby. I love Buzz Lightyear. Like this is the kid. This is the toy that every kid likes. Really, like, like everybody's freaking I out. Agree. Kids, particularly young kids around Andy's age, always like the main character the most, even if they're the most boring character. You know what I mean? Harry Potter is the most popular one. Even though he's the most boring. You know what I mean? Like like Captain America, Superman. Like like they always like the, the most lamest, boring, most white bright characters. Whoever's the main character is the one they like because they're the main character. It's his name. He's Lightyear. Of course, I like him the best. <laughs> I, I do concede on the, of course, he would also have the cat toy as well because the cat was awesome. And so I concede on that. Yeah. And but Andy liking the main character the most, he absolutely would. Andy was the most white, but come on, it was Andy. It's not like Andy had a lot of character and personality also. Yeah. I, well, that's true. I guess Andy's not the most thrilling character. So yeah, it makes sense exactly. that he likes this guy. But everything about this movie, it seems like it's deliberately just shitting on space rangers from the first toy story like this movie does not feel like it gives a shit about toy story like the movie has to infinity and beyond right but they know that us the audience already knows this line so they put a twist on it he says it to like his old co-worker and they do the little finger touch like et and they go to infinity and beyond he only says half the line that's not even his catchphrase and they're going to say that's the catchphrase of the toy? He doesn't even, in the toy, he goes, to infinity and beyond. And in the movie, he goes, to infinity and beyond. And they, like, do a little finger touch. Are you fucking kidding? Like, like it, none of this movie makes any sense in the reality of Toy Story. This entire movie does not give a fuck about Toy Story. And I'm not saying that that's why this movie sucks in particular. Because there's a lot of other things about this movie that sucks, if we're going to get into it. And that is, A, the animation. Uh, the animation is so, like, crispy clean. Like, it's so, like, dark and bland. It's like an MCU movie in animation. This is the complete opposite of Intergalactic. It's an actual advancement in the visual medium. It actually advances animation, tells it in a beautiful way. Lightyear could have been live action. There's nothing unique animation-wise. It's bland. It's gross. It's gray and dark blue. There's nothing visually stunning about this movie. It looks like crap. It looks terrible. And then the bad guy is Buzz Lightyear from the past. Spoiler alert to those that haven't seen the movie, but I did you a fucking favor so you don't have to watch this. It's Buzz Lightyear <laughs> from the past. That that was, I enjoyed that. It's so bad. I, what are you talking what, about? No. Oh my God. Okay, no, okay. But see, Quinn going off about saying how this Andy watched when he was a kid, 
I disagree with that because we already have that release. That movie was released years ago. We got that on like VHS or like it was like straight to DVD or TV or whatever. Um, I think this is Lightyear, like Buzz Lightyear's origin story. This is what really happened to Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't the film Andy watched. I don't think so, at least, because we already have that film. That movie's called like... Well, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, the Buzz Star Wars, no, Buzz Lightyear Star Command. Yeah, something like that. There was like a straight to VHS. I've seen it. And it was only one. But that, yeah, this one was marketed as the, like when they released this one, this was the movie that Andy, like that was part of the trailer. Really? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. what this Shit, one was. I never actually... But I, I think people, you guys, and a lot of audience members are too hung up on, on the concept of this movie rather than just going, it's a fucking Buzz Lightyear movie. All right. See, I don't really give a shit. It's a movie about Buzz Lightyear. I don't care about continuity and all that kind of stuff. This is a separate spinoff of the Toy Story franchise. It's a standalone thing. Um, now, as far as, like, I, the, the biggest thing I agree with Quentin on is the, uh, the enemy and the coloring. The coloring in particular. This, it, this is a uh, pretty paint-by-numbers uh, Pixar animation style-wise. Um, nothing too visually stunning or outstanding or great in this. Um, but I actually thought this was a much more a, a down-to-earth and toned film than I was expecting. It, you know what I mean? It wasn't, I thought it was, you know, more like a Marvel movie, but animated, when already already suggested. But this one felt like I had, they're trying for something different here. They, they took big swings with the plot twists what? and the, the, the concepts. Um, and I, I, I actually enjoyed them. I actually hated that plot. I thought the plot it, was It made plot. no sense. It was so bad. It doesn't make any sense. And I, I disagree completely with they took a big swing. They took the they they, they did a little bunt in like they did a little know. bunt in baseball where they kind of put the bat in front of them. They just tap the ball just to make sure they hit it, but they don't want to actually swing for it. Like they didn't do any swing. They just went okay. Let's just tap the ball. Okay, we're gonna make money because it's Pixar and it's Toy Story. We're we're good to go. Like, like they I know, you, did I no swings. The concept of making a Lightyear movie was a super safe bet. I think uh, it didn't pay off, but it was a safe bet. <laughs> I'm making a movie in the Toy Story franchise, and like a spinoff of Lightyear. I agree with that. That wasn't a big story. But I think the ones who are writing it, and they go, all right, we, we were we, we passed to write a Lightyear movie, a movie based on those Lightyear. You know, it, it, they could have played it safe and just have it be, you know, a colorful Buzz Lightyear fighting Zerg in outer space movie. But, you know, they thought that they'd come up with something different and, and unique with the whole, you know, rather than, you know, I am your father, it's I am you. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Like, no, I just think the twist was fucking stupid. I thought it was I don't funny. care, like, the twist boy said, I'm your father. No, that was, yeah, that's that was a Star Wars reference. It was, it was a throwaway joke from a movie, like, 15, 20 years ago. I don't think that one line in, in, in the sequel of Toy Story is the reason why this movie sucks. No, no, no. This is not the reason why this movie sucks. Plenty of other stuff in this movie is why this movie sucks. One of which is all the side characters, the, the, the little female friend that's like his best friend's child from the future. She's so mediocre. She, she's like annoying and whatever. And she's like the second lead character. Like, like she's so annoying. I can't imagine any kid, especially Andy, finding this movie exciting because she's so fucking annoying. But well, believe it or not. Explain, Quentin, why Andy didn't have a toy of her. So they <laughs> that's true, yeah. Not well, I just think Andy's racist. But I also think that <laughs> but quentin his favorite movie growing up has stars a black female how can he be racist? That's, that's true that's true um but i also think the a huge reason why this movie sucks and uh, you know a little spoiler uh we might be touching on this in the next movie on this list at number 13th for the worst is a uh, taika watiti all right i'm gonna tell you right now he was the fucking worst part of this movie his character in this movie was just taika watiti 
being Taika Waititi in an animated character. He was so annoyingly stupid. He like was like, oh, what does this do? And he like pushed a button and they released a bunch of creatures on them. Like the whole movie relies on Taika Waititi just doing stupid shit to move the story forward. It, it relies on the creatures follow Taika, uh, like, you know, Taika Waititi pushes the button and then all the aliens see them from far away and they go hunt them. And Buzz Lightyear's like, all right, I guess I gotta go back and save these guys. Like the movie relies on these characters sticking to Buzz Lightyear because if Buzz Lightyear left them for five seconds alone, Taika Waititi would kill them all. The movie hinges on stupidity in a bland animation background. Like, the movie looks terrible, and it is terrible. And congratulations, Pixar. You played yourself. This is the worst looking Pixar movie ever. This is the second worst Pixar movie ever. It sucks. I hate Pixar for this. This is the worst year in Pixar history. Turning Red was exceptionally mediocre. And this movie fucking sucked. Wait, what's worse than this? Uh, I, 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 you think Cars 2, you're wrong. Oh, no. Uh, Cars 2 and Finding Dory. This is the third worst. Wait, you like Good Dinosaur more than this movie? Good Dinosaur looked good. It's the fourth worst. See, Good Dinosaur only looked good. This movie, <laughs> I agree. Didn't look the best. Yeah. But I didn't see it. Was it was fun. I, I enjoyed fun this movie. Yeah. And this movie's better than Brave. Fuck that movie. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Brave's pretty bad, but like, it's not like bottom four. At least like, it's got like the archery stuff. It, it looks first, pretty good. Like, yeah. 30 minutes of Brave. Yeah. Brave is. <laughs> the first hour of this, I. Yeah, I like the whole opening of this one as well. I, I like enjoyed it. Till the plot twist. That's where I was like, okay, I was actually. Yeah. I, I honestly couldn't tell you a single scene in this movie I liked. I do think it's hilarious that people like boycotted this movie because of the lesbian couple, and it's such a minor part of the movie. That's insane. People have such an issue with it. Like, it's, it's kind of crazy just the society we live in now, right? Like, give it 10 years' time, and people are going to be like, really? This is really what people freaked out about? Like, it's insane. Yeah. That that's like the biggest a lot of people out. complain that they're not going to watch this because it's not Tim Allen. If that's the horse they're choosing to die on, I mean... Yeah. And, and, and I hate having this so low because I actually think this is huge for Disney. Disney has never had a lesbian relationship on screen like that before. They've hinted at it before. Even Turning Red has a, a pretty strong hint at it. Like, they hint at it lots of times. But this is the very first time they literally can't deny it. They actually had representation. It was really good. That they did have that, and it's just so casual. It's not like in have, your face about it. Have you watched Strange World? Uh, yeah, I did, but this came out before Strange World, so this is like the first True, time. Yeah. I mean, like months yeah. before, but you're no, right. but Onward also had gay representation briefly. Though it I had was... a throwaway line where a cop said, I, I, "I can't wait to see my yeah. girlfriend." Like, <laughs> I wouldn't call that representation. Yeah, and none of the main characters, you know. And, and she main... said, "I can't wait to see my partner." So, like, like I said, like Disney can. What Disney does is they release these, and in North America, they go, "Oh, look at this." We're giving you guys gay representation, and then in China they release it and they go, "Oh, hey, th th she just means her friend or her, or her roommate." Like they can have deniability, but I'm saying this is like yeah. the very first time they are upfront representing it, and I do think that that's a huge step for Disney. They're kind of very much they love to kind of toy the line to get as much money as possible, right? Like that's just kind of Disney's model, and I do want to at least commend that for Lightyear. I don't want, like, it sucks that the, I fucking hate this movie, because I'd like to commend them for doing that, and it sucks that they're probably just going to blame that as one of the reasons why this movie sucks, not the fact that the movie's just There trash. was a lot of hate online for a simple, like, kiss that was, like, yeah. two seconds long. Yeah, and, they, and that's what they're going to take away from it. Disney's going to be like, well, see, this is why we don't do it. The real takeaway should be this movie's trash, but they're unfortunately going to look at it that way, which is, you know, it's unfortunate.
All right, so moving on to number 13, another film from the box office, one that I kind of already referenced. We do have another MCU film, almost back-to-back. -back. Uh, Lightyear kind of broke up this Disney sandwich. But we do have Thor Love and Thunder, which I made over $343 million in the box office domestically. I'm actually still shocked that this is only number eight. It is shocking to me that an MCU film only got number eight in the box office. Like, that's, that's shocking. Like, this actually, <laughs> it did, like, I remember it did bad, but number eight? Like, that's, that's crazy. A Minions beat this fucking thing. Um, yeah, you know, but Minions <laughs> had, like, that whole, hey, get all your buddies and wear a suit. Gentle yeah, Minion. Yeah, it was a big TikTok trend. Although, Gentle Minion was the greatest trend ever. Uh, that, that's, it was the best part about the movie. That's iconic. Gentle Minion, I'll give them that. But yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good meme. Um, yeah. But here we are with Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, Hayden has this at 31. Tristan has this at 46. And I have it at 56. Yeah. This movie was the Walmart version of Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. I had, I, on, I, I liked it. I know a lot of people hated it on this movie. I enjoyed it a fair amount. I think it was funny at times. I'm really glad the Guardians of the Galaxy weren't in it very much. The goats fucking sucked. Yep. But gore. Gore made this movie. Gore, like, there was just so much. Like, every scene with gore. Uh, Christian Bale, oh my god, I love that man. Like, he was amazing. I wish he was in it more. I wish we saw him kill more gods. Yeah, I, I also wish gore didn't have that little bit of a character like arc at the end i wish you fucking killed thor that'd be such a badass way to kill <laughs> thor like if if gore killed all of the gods wouldn't that make him god. the god killer therefore clarifying him as a god so then he kills himself oh. that'd be so that would have been, been badass yeah and then thor's out of the mcu now so now we got this chick thor that's like not really, but I don't know if she's god. I wouldn't classify her as god, although she is worthy of the hammer. She's not a god; she's a human. No. So he wouldn't have gore would have left her alive, therefore setting her up to be the new Thor. I thought that would have been so badass. Yeah, that'd um, be good. But they went the MCU route and made him redeemable. Uh, but yeah, overall, I like the film. I think people shot on this film more than they should have. Like Quentin here, fifty six. Fifty six. Like, come on, man. And I, I agree with him. I'm going to jump in here. I, I agree with Hayden. I thought this one was pretty fun. It very much was a, uh, let's try to make Thor Ragnarok again, but not as good. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> Thor Ragnarok was so far and away better. It's not, not even a... Uh, but I had fun with this one. And as Hayden mentioned, Gore is easily the best part. Christian Bale as Gore was awesome. I wish he was in it for more than 15 minutes, because he was for sure the best part. This has to be the worst-looking MCU. Mm -hmm. This looked atrocious. The special effects <laughs> were so bad. It was atrocious. And then I also mm -hmm. obviously all like the kids at the end getting like the powers mm -hmm. or whatever. Didn't care for it. Didn't care at all. That whole sideline storyline, dumb. The float and of course that one picture that's moved around a lot. Oh, of yeah. like the floating head, the, the young black kid, his yeah. floating head, like like, <laughs> like that looked something that was like an indie film. Terrifier two had better special effects than that. The dead. But this is a multi a hundred million dollar big budget film by by Marvel, you know, one what was supposed to be, you know, they expected one of the, the highest top three grossing movies of the year, you know, huge money maker. And this is what it looks like. This is the best special effects they could do. It looked garbage. Like the first, the opening action scenes look like straight up like a PlayStation 3 video game. Like it didn't look good at all. 
I thought it was a fun movie. I thought gore was awesome. I thought there was some good fun jokes in there. Soundtrack was pretty killer. But it looked atrocious, and it was painfully generic Marvel. Yeah, um, this movie had a budget of $250 million. Oh my god. Yeah. This is less than $100 million as profit. This is top 20 most expensive film of all time. Like This would be in the top 20 for no this way. budget. That's would it not? $250 million? Top 20? Uh, here, uh, I'll, uh, here, let me see if I can pull up the... Like, 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 there's about three or four movies a year that come out with a budget that size nowadays. Like any Marvel well, 250 is a lot. Like 250 is more than the other Marvel films that came out this year. Like 250 is a lot. Okay, I, I, I do stand corrected. It's the 21th most expensive film of all time. Wow. So uh, it's not in top 20, but uh, it's... Not adjusting for inflation, uh, true, yeah, not adjusting for inflation, but still, uh, it's pretty close. It is the 21st uh, most expensive film of all time, and this is arguably one of the ugliest films I've seen ever. Like, this is just—it's it's terrible. It's—it's really it's insanely bad how this movie looks. Like, it looks well, like okay. You know what? Let me let me let me correct that. There were some scenes. And there are some scenes yeah. looked really good, particularly yeah. like the, the scenes with Thor. Um, there were some scenes that looked incredible, and then other scenes. That, like I said, looks straight out of a PlayStation 2 video game. Yeah, well, I would, say, look- I would say every scene looks god-awful in this movie, except for when they're on that black-and-white planet, and maybe it's just because yeah, it's black-and-white, yes. right? Like, cool. like, maybe it's just because, you know me, we just talk about clerks. Like, I'm a, I'm a sucker for black-and-white, especially when it has, like, that aesthetic to it. And this movie, especially when some of those other things, some of the things were in color in the fight scenes in the black-and-white world, really good. Like that, like that. Obviously, that looks great, but that's ten minutes of the two and a half hour yeah. runtime of yeah. absolute trash. Like the rest of the movie looks terrible, and you and you can't tell me that they they spent like two hundred million dollars on the black and white scene. Black and white is actually to save you money. So yeah. like <laughs> like that's just like that's not a reason I mean, why they spent this money. It but... on like a ten thousand dollar budget, so you know. Yeah, exactly. It's it's actually astounding. That this looks like possibly one of the cheapest films ever, and it's the 21st most expensive film. That's not the only reason why I hate this movie. Uh, I do think this movie's really bad. Uh, and I'm trying not to be like the critic group that hates Thor Love and Thunder, because it does seem like it has that reputation. But to be fair, it's still a 77% of Rotten Tomatoes. Like, like, to be fair, the critics still, as a whole, liked this movie, and I think they're wrong. I think the comedy in this movie is atrocious. Like, I genuinely don't know if I laughed once. Like, it's just genuinely unfunny. It's just a terrible script. I know we all love the rock guy. I forget his name. He's fantastic. And, yeah. What's his name again? Korg. <laughs> so wait, wait, Korg? What's the villain's name then? Thor. And then wait, Thor. Sorry, Thor? Korg and who? Thor. Korg. <laughs> okay, I didn't realize that. Wow, they all sound the same. Um, so, Korg? Korg. K-R-O-G. No, K O R G. Yeah. Korg. Okay. All right. Sorry. Korg, the rock guy, um, is fucking terrible in this movie. He was he was so unfunny and so well, first of all, he looks terrible in this movie. He's so unfunny and he's just in it the entire time. Taiki Weetiti, I love the guy. Thor Ragnarok, incredible. Uh obviously Jojo Rabbit, incredible movie. What we do in the shadows, incredible film. Like, like he's he's really good. I'm I'm off the Take you a TD train now. Like this and Lightyear back to back. 
just shoot me now. This guy sucks. Like, with TD is just so unfunny, and he needs to be in everything. Like, he has to be in every ounce of this movie as the rock guy. He narrates the movie. It's just not funny. I think the story is terrible, like Tristan said. The kids fighting at the end of the movie is possibly the dumbest ending to a movie ever this year, and that's including the giant panda in Turning Red. This is worse than that. Like This is just the dumbest ending to a movie. It's like, oh, the kids are super too. We're, we know this movie has kids watching. Hey, kids, this is your movie. You can fight Gore too. And Gore is really good. He's the only redeeming moment of this movie, but he's barely in it. So like, sorry, this went from like a 58 to a 56. Like you're good in the 10 minutes you were in it, Gore. Um, yeah, he wasn't in enough. He's he barely had in. To be in there a lot more. And not- he's the god butcherer and he only kills one god in the entire movie. Guess what? Thor kills more gods than he does when he's up there in Olympus fighting all the guys trying to escape. Like what, why is Gore have this title? And he looks so intimidating. And he is really good. Christian Bale is trying to carry this movie. And it's for not. Like, it's just him in a room with a bunch of people that just want an easy paycheck. Like, it feels like no one in this movie cares except for maybe Christian Bale. Like, every other performer is kind of half-assing it. Thor is terrible in this movie. This is easily his worst performance except for Thor The Dark World, but that movie I just don't even pretend exists. I, I just think he's just not in it anymore. And, he's, and he said after this movie that he's kind of done with doing the MCU. And brother, I can fucking tell. <laughs> like, I can tell you're done, my guy. I, you didn't have to tell me that in an interview. I saw this movie. You are so checked out, dude. Like, he should have just died. They should have killed him off in this movie. Because he just doesn't care anymore. They sure do what Hayden suggested. Yeah, yeah that's a, a hey, yeah, have, that's have a way better movie. idea. Hayden should have wrote this movie. That is a much better idea. I think they should give Hayden $250 million. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put it in my bank account. Yeah. Ironically, anybody with $250 million aside from Taiki Waititi could have made a better film. Uh, and, and I guess we can blame... The MCU, right? Like, I'm sure yeah, Watiti was, yeah, I'm sure he was constrained here. Like, I'm not blaming this all on Watiti. He has a huge part of why this movie sucks, though. And it's just, I yeah. don't know. Well, I don't like it. I don't blame the VFX artists either. Because I know that they are on super. No, it sucks for the VFX artists. And, and I'm not yeah, trying to have this impact my viewing of the movie, but did you guys watch that variety video of Taiki Watiti analyzing a scene of his movie? No, no. Uh, it went viral on Twitter where he was, you know how, I don't know if you've seen these before. I love watching them, especially uh, the, what the glass onion. I watched that one with Ryan Johnson. It's great. You watch a director sit there and they're going over a scene with you and they're explaining every detail of that scene to you from the director's perspective and why that scene works so well in every shot. They kind of analyze the scene and yeah. what TD goes over one of these scenes and the entire video and by entire like he mentions it like four times in the video he goes oh my god the vfx in this shot is so embarrassing i can't believe we made this like he was shitting on the vfx <laughs> even the director goes yeah this sucks like they, they just don't care no one in this movie cared and it it, it shows yeah the vfx in this one over take were really like that yeah. easily the worst part of my opinion I have a big sense of humor and find even dumb things funny, and I manage to laugh at a good few of the jokes. And uh, I'm a big sucker for Christian Bale and yeah, his gore, the God Butcher. So that's why I enjoy this one. I have it just out of the bottom 15 there, but 
It was a rough year for Marvel in general. At least this one in Multiverse of Madness was quite rough. Yeah. Well, rough year for Disney, I think. I think this might be Disney's worst year because Pixar, I thought, <laughs> I thought was terrible. That's true. Which like, is crazy because this year is in contention with one of the best years, in my opinion, for film. And same yeah. with 2019. When 2019, Disney did amazing in 2019. Which it shows how like Disney not, didn't carry 2019, but it's a big part of it. But this year, Disney sucked, but we still got so many good movies yeah. apart from the mouse. Well, to be fair, Disney had a great year financially in 2019, but like 2019 wasn't a great year for Disney either, was it? Like Toy Story 4, I know me and Tristan aren't a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. And like Lion King. Lion King. F- I don't know, but Frozen, Frozen 2. And Endgame. I like Frozen 2. Frozen 2 was awesome. Endgame. Uh, Aladdin was fine. I didn't hate Aladdin. Yeah, it was fine. Um, plus, what picture movies came with? Oh, fuck. Pixar 4. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think 20, uh, but I do think Disney has good years. I thought last year, Disney released what? Luca, Encanto. Mm, maybe that's it. <laughs> but like, 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 they do have good years where they release really good content. And no Way Home came out last year. Uh, yeah, that's a movie. That people claim that's. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people liked Not it, I guess. Us, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Disney had Avatar yeah. 2 this year, of course. Right. Right. And, and Disney does have good years and they do release good stuff. Uh, yeah, I do think Pixar and MCU-wise, yeah, I think this was probably a, a big hit on them. Uh, it sounds like maybe they're going to do some changes, so we'll see. I uh, hope so. They announced Toy Story 5, so that's something to look forward to. I'm more excited for Zoo, uh, not Zootopia, or I am, but uh, Inside Out 2. Yeah, Inside Out 2 will be better, yeah. They'll be good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, All right, what's the 12th worst movie of the year, Quentin? Yeah. Uh, also from Disney. No, I'm kidding. That would have be been a good transition. Uh, number 12, a movie that I picked. We have uh, the film that no one's heard of, the 12th worst film of the year, Menorah in the Middle, which I have at 38, Tristan has at 48, and Hayden has at 51. Yeah, this one was fun. It was, it was, <laughs> a, uh, it was just a fun sort of goofy holiday film about a, like a Jewish bakery and a young Jewish girl trying to, trying to save her parents' bakery. I thought it was. I thought it was quite. It was All right. Generic, though. It was super generic. Like it was kind of <laughs> funny. I've never seen a, a, a Hanukkah film before. I didn't okay, generic. get rid of the religion. Didn't really matter. What What's mattered was it was about like a Jew coming in to a, a rich family, trying to win the. Ba- oh, not sorry, not a rich family, but the, a guy came into this family trying to steal something from them, which is pretty crazy in the Christmas or in the holiday. <laughs> Yeah, that's, it's, it's pretty out there. Okay. I gotta tell you right now, I thought Menorah in the Middle was really good. I thought, I thought this film was hilarious. It was nice and short, and I can't get over the fact that they named the super douchey alpha guy Chad. Like, everything about this movie is hilarious. Like, this movie is exactly what it needs to be. We got a dude named Chad, who, I gotta tell you, the easily the best scene is where he pulls up, like, the giant uh, sheet of paper and he just goes, and he just goes, this is your profits, and it's an arrow pointing downward, and then he, like, flips the page, and he goes, and this is what your profits will be when I'm done with you, and it shows an arrow pointing up. That, that's, that's his spiel. He just had two arrows, and their dad goes, I'm fucking sold. Let's, this is dumb, baby. let's fucking go baby yeah Tristan you know he took some business this is pretty much every presentation you just need two arrows 
one pointing down and you go this is your profit and then one going up and saying this is when i'm involved baby and then he's trying to buy out the place he's like it's just business sweetheart he's like secretly running like an up like an empire and they don't have any money to afford it until the two people that the dad kept telling the same fucking story about every 10 minutes in this one hour and in this hour and 20 minute runtime these two people that he kept telling the stupid ass story to show up at the end in like the most random plot twist of all time and goes oh my god if you give me that fucking pastry again that you tell everybody about we will finance your entire dying company. Are you kidding me? It's a Hanukkah miracle. It's a miracle. It's, it's I, the movie's no, amazing. I it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's like, actually good or just so bad it's good. But it's no, like, no, definitely. it's definitely so bad it's good. But it's so bad it's so good. Yeah. It's um, a real fun yeah. time. <laughs> it's a solid 38. It is perfectly terrible. In all the best ways, and but um, you put this oh, above Sonic Two. Uh, if I did, I stand by it. it. This is better than Sonic Two. Hey, the human characters of this are way better. Valid. That's that's very bad. <laughs> they don't have knuckles. Knuckles. Yeah. This had one millionth the budget of Thor: Love and Thunder, and it was one millionth better. I thought Minora and the and Chad. Chad carried this whole fucking film. Every line that dude said was literally just like an AI-generated assumption of what like an alpha douche bro would say. He's incredible. I loved Chad. It's a Hallmark Christmas movie for people that like film because it's fucking good. And for Jews. And for Jews. Yeah, and for Jews. (laughs) This film is for Quentin and the Jews. That's, That's what the tagline should have been. That should have been the tagline. Yeah, I was trying to find another Father Christmas is back because that film was incredible. I could not find it, but uh, this was the next best thing. The, the, this yeah, was pretty good. Yeah. Well, this one was just like a, like a Hallmark. You, it's not an actual Hallmark, but it's like a, like a Hallmark Hanukkah movie, essentially. But most of it's so bad, it's good. Where Father Christmas is back, it's just insane. It's just nutty. Moving on to number 11, the 11th worst film, according to us. And by us, I mean, according to you two. We have Halloween ends, baby. Oh, yeah, fuck this one. Oh, yeah, this one was awful. I picked this film. I have it at 33. Hayden has it at 53, and Tristan has it at 55. Well, Quentin, you go ahead first here. Why, why did you pick it, and why do you like it? <sighs> so here's the thing with Halloween ends. I'm trying to think of how to best explain this. This is easily the third best Halloween movie of the entire franchise. And, and, and that's not high praise. Because that franchise sucks. But this movie is really interesting to me. It does something that they haven't done in the Halloween franchise, which is interesting because every movie at this point is just a carbon copy remake of the original and they're just trying to live off of nostalgia and it's kind of bland. Like Halloween Kills, more like Halloween Kill Me Now. That movie was just horrible in every aspect of like, just terrible. And it's even worse now in hindsight. Halloween Kills... Um, would go even further down my list in hindsight compared to this movie because me and Tristan kept making the argument, well, it's setting up the third one. And now that we watched the third one, it's very clear it did not because it had absolutely no connection to this movie. So that, that no, movie is yeah. just terrible. Like, no connection. 
But what makes this movie so interesting to me, and I really, really like the concept of it, despite really, really not liking this movie as a whole, but I'm so fascinated by this film. That's why I have it at 33. And it's the whole idea of Michael Myers and the whole idea of Halloween and its curse on this town and how Michael Myers is a monster. He obviously runs out and kills everybody in about 13 films at this point. I think he just keeps murdering people. He's the fucking worst. However, it also plays with the concept of the town being the villain, which was touched on with Halloween Kills, but I really like this idea of Michael Myers is a villain, not because he's like possessed by some demon or something. He's a villain because of this town. He was scapegoated. They blamed him for everything. And in this film, it analyzes that by having this new kid who obviously was part of a terrible incident. But because of that incident, this film and the fact that Michael Myers is gone, he's not in the first hour or so of this movie, which most people probably hate. I thought it was an incredible call because you know what? Similar to the third Halloween movie, which I obviously love. And sorry, actually, I take it back. This is the fourth best Halloween movie because Season of the Witch, the first Halloween, and then obviously the Halloween remake in 2018 are way better than this movie. Like, yeah, like, like, like those three are way better. Uh, but similar to the Season of the Witch, which this is the third movie, and this film actually plays homage to that by having the credits be the same font and color as the third movie. And it very confidently is kind of going for the same style of a Halloween movie without Michael Myers. And so it analyzes this town scapegoating this guy. And he's getting bullied by like band geeks that are half his age. And they, they do all this ridiculous stuff that is really bad. This is a fundamentally bad movie. But I really like the idea of. This town is the monster, not Michael Myers. And the town tears this man apart. In the entire movie, you see him slowly become Michael Myers. And you very early on know what this is about to become. But I like it a lot how all of a sudden he's the one getting torn apart. And the color in his eyes, he's slowly getting the black pupils, like what they said. He's slowly becoming this monster that they're forcing him to become. He didn't do anything wrong, but the town blames him for everything because the town's just, everybody in this town is terrible and they just always leech onto blaming and scapegoating all of their problems. This terrible fucking town pushes all their problems onto one person and then, oh, they're the villain. We're all innocent. Like, like it's all this fucking guy's problem. Michael Myers, the fucking worst. And obviously he is the worst, but the entire franchise of Halloween has always been nature versus nurture. The Dr. Loomis in the first six movies has always said that there's something evil about this man, something evil from this town. And this movie plays into that of what if this town is actually the monster? And what if it creates these monsters because it needs this necessity to scapegoat? And so this guy becomes the new Michael Myers. I think the first 75% of this movie uh, isn't good. I think this movie is not the best, but I have it at 33 because I think the first 75% is really interesting how it creates a narrative around these monsters and boogeymen we see on these films being created by reality, right? Like just the world they grow up in, uh, the Rob Zombie films touch on this as well, where they kind of get created as these monsters because of the world around them. And so I, I, I really like this idea of the city is the monster, not the man that has the mask. And I think the last 25% becoming the Laurie versus Michael Myers is just so out of place. It's so not part of the story. It feels really shoehorned in. I really don't like it, except 
Maybe I'm a little crazy. I did really, maybe it's because I binged the films with Tristan last year. I really digged the montage of their entire relationship in all of these movies. Yeah. Uh, I just, w- I think it would have paid off if she died with him. When they had that montage and she's about yeah, to die with him. Yeah, I them to both die. That's whole, I thought they were both gonna- Yeah, uh, this is a three out of five for me. This would probably be a 3.5. Not, not a huge gap. I still don't love the movie, but it would have been better. It would, it would have been 3.5. I would have thought this was a lot stronger of a film if she died with him. And their relationship has been so intertwined. And when he had her and she had her life flashed before her eyes and her life was with Michael Myers. And they were so intertwined that that's what she saw right when she was about to die. She should have died with him. That it made so much sense. Aside from that and the cringy screenplay, I, I think it's the best concept Halloween has ever had. I, I always said to Tristan, they should have only had a few movies of this. Like it's, They run it to the ground. It's the same fucking shtick every time, but I was wrong. Uh, this is a different shtick. This is something unique, and so I appreciate it. I'm going to go ahead and you can say what you want. Yeah, go ahead. Um, this, I liked the start. The start was very good, but it's not Halloween end. But this movie went off the rails right away by adding in this new character, trying to give him a whole new character arc within one movie, trying to explain it all while still finishing this storyline between Michael and her. This movie wasn't meant to have a new character. It's, it's the final in the trilogy. It's kind of like Justice League, the 2016 one. We don't need new characters. We need the story to be finished first. I think this new character story would have been great in 10, 15 years when they inevitably the franchise have a new michael have a new character who get isolated by this town and framed as a monster that's great have it but like and call it like a new halloween or or just something down the line but having the finale of this trilogy introduce a new character have michael not be in it for the first hour is it leaves a sour taste when it's meant to be the final battle between michael and this girl where they just have to squeeze it in at the end I don't know, it just, it just felt weird. Yeah, you pretty much said what I was going to hit on there. I didn't hate what they did with the guy uh, for the first like hour, hour and a half, hour 45. It just felt like this wasn't the movie I hit play on. You know what I mean? Like, like this was supposed to be the, the wrap-up of the trilogy and also just the wrap-up of the franchise as a whole, you know, a 20, 25-year-long franchise kind of wrapping up here. This, this show, final showdown between Lori, is that her name? What's her name? Lori. Yeah, Lori and Michael Myers has been, you know, started 25 years ago, and now they're going to, 40 years ago, I think now, nearly 40 years ago, and they're, they're ending it now. You know, this is what Halloween ends finally. This is supposed to be the final showdown. Then they have the whole trilogy here of the two of them coming back into the franchise, the two of them button heads a couple more times coming into this very last one. I would completely agree with Hayden here that this should have just been the final showdown. Give the fans what they were waiting years to have. Right, the final shutter. I think they both should have died together. The flashing before the eyes. That should have been the send off for both characters. Their lives were intertwined from the beginning to the end together. And then I don't even have to wait ten years. You could wait two years and come back out with a new Halloween film that takes place pretty much a year or pretty much immediately after this one, where the town still remembers Michael Myers and then introduces this new guy who happens to have a real bad incident happen to him, terrible, crazy bad luck happen to him, and the whole town who still remembers Michael Myers. Is he back? Is this new reincarnation of Michael Myers? Is the spirit of Michael Myers still haunting this town and this new young boy? And have him have his own full movie. You're not just cutting him off early so you can get the final battle with Laurie and Michael in there. 
You know what I mean? Why don't they split this up into two films? Give the fans yes. what they want, and then have this cool, creative twist take on on Halloween as well. And you can have two movies out of it. I, I, that's what I think. I think they, they, they promised a lot to the fans and didn't deliver. They gave the fans something cool and interesting that they weren't asking for. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like ordering a really nice lasagna. All right? It's not that I hate pizza. This is not what I ordered. I didn't want yeah, you know, they're both Italian. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, they're both um, horror yeah. movies. They're both slasher movies. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and, and I do agree with what you're saying. Um, look, look at the poster we have up here. And look at the poster for any advertisement of this movie. It's Laurie vs. Michael. Halloween ends. The trailers were telling that the entire time. Obviously, the audience was led to believe one thing. They were marketing it for one thing. And the movie's just not that. And yeah, it's like making a dinosaur movie and have it all be about bugs, which yeah. just no one would ever do because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> but I guess someone somewhere thought it'd be an all right idea. Yeah, that, that'll be on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That well, that's just an and idea. It's not that, that it's yeah. not a good uh, movie or not a good idea, but like, you can't market one thing. And yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if the fans don't like it. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, and. I think the biggest issue is I blame Halloween Kills. They should have edited 30 minutes out of that fucking movie, put the last 30 minutes of this movie into that, and then have the third movie similar to the original trilogy be a film about Halloween that isn't about Michael Myers. I love the idea of this film. I agree, though. When it's marketed one way, they should have they should have just put it in Halloween Kills because that movie needed some fucking help. Uh, they, they should have just put it over there because, yeah, this film definitely was not what it was hinted at or straight up told right like the it's basically false advertisement you don't even see the lead guy like like, like the main character of this movie i don't think he's in the trailers it's about laurie and michael in the trailers which is not what happens so yeah even laurie's not that important in this movie no no and laurie wasn't an important halloween kills either like oh yeah she's they butchered her it's yeah. embarrassing. This is a terrible trilogy. I like this movie, but this is not a good trilogy. Like, this has no connection to the other two. All three movies are so badly told. Like, they're so disconnected. As a concept, I think it's the most interesting idea Halloween has had in a while. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I agree with you guys' criticism. I get why this is hated. Um, yeah, clearly the director did not care about Michael and Laurie, which is fine. But they probably should have just made that very clear to the audience. Because look at this poster. Uh, that is not what they're hinting at. So we're finally in the bottom 10 to celebrate or, you know, not celebrate the worst of 2022. We are going to be moving on to the 10th worst film, according to us. And that is going to be 13 The Musical. Which I was, coming. I knew it. Yeah, you, you, you didn't have that high. So yeah. this is one of Hayden's picks. Hayden has it at 39. Tristan has it at 52. And I have it at 57. <laughs> so Hayden's a little bit higher than us. You know, I'm finally not the guy going against the crowd here. Well, what was your thoughts on your pick here, Hayden? 13. Yo, this movie was Old Navy in a movie. Like, it, was, <laughs> yeah. it was fantastic. You had the styles. You had the music. It was High School Musical for grade sixes. Honestly, I thought it was just so cringy that it was just hilarious. I felt I needed to make Quentin watch this because Tristan watched it with me. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed it, which if I put it at 39, I just thought it was really funny. 
Look, I had fun with this one. Uh, like, I love I love musicals. I love shitty kids movies. I love shitty coming-of-age movies. This is sort of like a mix of all three, you know? So this is right up my alley. I put it 52 because it, it's objectively not a good film. But I, I did have fun with it. I don't think it's a bad film. It's just not good. It's sort of right in the middle. You know, it's... Honestly, it didn't make a, a huge impression. But it, it got to that point where it's like, so bad it's good, but just almost. You know what I mean? It's right there. Is it just bad or is it so bad it's good? I can't really tell. But I had fun with it, um, but I didn't love it. And so 52 feels fair. This movie is terrible. <laughs> this movie is god-awful. Every, everybody in this movie is so unlikable. And honestly, the most depressing part... And... Yeah, but you have to understand. Name a 13-year-old that yeah, you've met that you true. actually like. They're all unlikable at 13. Well, right? well, well nice. don't make a musical off of them. Like, if they're unlikable, get the, the hell out of there. But... Honestly, the most depressing part of this movie really is the fact that the guy from Drake and Josh is stuck doing this. Like, this is the best he can get now. Like, this is his gig. What the is this? 13, the musical. Yeah, he was the main character's, like, rabbi. Yeah. He was in a lot. He was only, oh, like, two yeah. or three scenes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this oh, is the, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> even better. I should have put it higher than 13. <laughs> and if this is the only gig this guy can get now, man, it was, it's depressing to think about. I, I... Very I mean, sad. Well, he, well his co-star's in jail, so he's doing better than... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I, I guess it could be worse, but honestly, after watching this movie, not much worse. After watching this movie, there's, there's a fate worse than death, all right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd rather be in jail than caught being in 13 the musical. Um, yeah. Honestly, I don't remember much else, except the music sucked. I don't know if Tristan's going to like defend the songs, the songs here. weren't particularly good cuz like they're all the kids singing it and bless their hearts um they tried especially the kids in puberty it's not like they have a smooth voice anymore I think this movie was all the kids left over from every other project when every kid did the singing auditions for any other Disney project Disney Plus project if they, they passed the high school musical the series rejects you know like the yeah ones if they yeah if they passed show. yeah if they passed one of the other projects then congratulations you're now on high school musical the musical or if you failed they uh got stuck with 13 the musical i think this really felt like it was all the leftover kids that just can't sing and the songs are terrible i i, I vaguely remember the wheelchair kid that was like the main guy's best friend was like unexplainably really horny like he yeah. was only down for the plan if it involved him getting pussy like he's such a weirdo like he is the weirdest fucking guy ever that's all i remember from the movie is bad music and the wheelchair kid uh he was everybody in the movie was bad but that that wheelchair guy needs he needs to see a rabbi he needs jesus (laughs) (laughs) they don't believe in jesus (laughs) well Or I meant he needs a rabbi, or he needs Jesus. He, 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 yeah, 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 sorry. <laughs> a rabbi won't help him find Jesus. Yeah, yeah, he's one or the other, but um, maybe even a bit of both, because he he's, he's too far gone. Uh, so we can move on to number nine here. We have DC's representation here from the box office. We have Black Adam wow. as the ninth worst film. <laughs> you thought it was going to be the Batman? No, I thought it was going to be Super Bad. Oh, I was like, what? That movie wasn't bad. Yeah. Imagine it was the Batman. Me and Han dragged that bad boy down. Yeah, if it was the Batman at number nine worst of the year, I'd be shocked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Black Adam. Um, I'll jump in here first. Obviously, this was a box office pick. Uh, None of us would have picked this one. Yeah. 
Yeah, number ten is as like painfully generic as you can get for a superhero movie. Um, like Black Adam, I always thought Black Adam was a bad guy, but nothing we ever really hinted at that he was a bad guy because he kept going multiple times. I'm not a hero. I'm not a hero. But never really did anything to give us that impression otherwise, rather than him just repeating it. Um, everything else he did in this movie, he acted as a pretty generic superhero. Um, I, the bad guy was was real forgettable. Like, who was that? I completely forget. Who was the bad guy? I don't remember. I don't remember. See, the whole time I thought the the Doctor Fate. I thought Doctor Fate was a bad guy. Yeah, Doctor Fate's a good guy. So I kept waiting for him for his heel turn. I'm like, all right, now this is going. He's going to reveal he's behind it all. He's going to reveal now that he's behind it all. And then like, he sacrifices himself for the other ones. Like, that's all a ploy. But no, that was it. He really was a good guy the whole time. So I kept waiting for his It would have been cool if Dr. Fate... Because Dr. Fate's the DC version of Dr. Strange. Yeah. So it would have been cool if Dr. Fate was the bad guy, but in reality, he's the hero. But since we're looking at it from Black Adam's point of view, he's yeah. viewed as the bad guy. But for some reason, they wanted to keep Black Adam, because it's The Rock, as a good guy, when Black Adam is... Just inherently more bad than he is good. Uh, I felt like The Rock was a wrong casting call simply because he would have to be PG when this movie could have been a little bit, for the older audiences, a little bit darker, where Black Adam is the main character, where he is ruthless and would do anything to get what he needs, but instead it was just another The Rock movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you guys. Um, I'm at a 51 because it's just exceptionally generic. And there's just really nothing interesting about this movie. Yeah. I don't mind the look of the film. Like I don't think it's a bad looking movie. I don't it looked decent. Yeah. It looked better yeah. than Thor four. That's for damn. Oh well, well, that's you know, of course you don't. You don't. Anything looks better than Thor four. But yeah, I I think the movie looks good. I actually like Doctor Fate. So you know, I guess we're comparing it to multiple MCU movies because it looked way better than Thor four. And I thought Doctor and I thought Doctor Fate was a much better version of Doctor Strange than what we got from Doctor Strange in his own movie, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Like I thought, there's elements of the movie that are good. I, I kind of liked Doctor Fate or whatever his name was, but at the end of the day, it's like a really mediocre script and just a really plain movie that is supposed to like rejuvenate the. DCEU, which obviously amounted to nothing within seconds, so it's kind of just a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> it's just fine. Yeah, like, it's just, like I said, I think superhero fatigue is weighing heavily on a lot of people, especially who watch a lot of movies like all of us here do, and this one here is one of the ones that most definitely gets lost in the, the, the pile of just million superhero movies coming at us, you know, like a mile a second, just so many, actually mile a second is real slow. That's fast. But yeah, you know, like a whole bunch of superhero movies coming at us, and this one gets lost in the shuffle. It doesn't stand out from the crowd as anything special or unique or man, this is the one you for sure gotta check out. And so, in in a year that had what eight, nine superhero movies get theatrically released, um, there's really no reason why this is the one you gotta go watch. In fact, I would say of all of them, this is for sure one you can skip, and you're not really missing. Much. I love how The Rock was saying how this is the best superhero movie ever, and then it, it shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't the worst superhero movie ever, that's for sure. But it, far, far from the best, even of the year, let alone of all time. I would say probably one of the, if not the worst. Uh, is this our lowest, this is our lowest ranked superhero movie. You gotta wait and see. We gotta wait and see. That's, that's yeah, you gotta wait and see. The Batman could oh. still be lower. You don't know where me and Hayden placed a trist. Oh, yeah. And DC Super Pets could still be lower. Everyone's forever. Are those the only ones we haven't, haven't podcasted so far? 
I don't know. I guess we'll find out later in the podcast. But uh, anything else you want to say about Black Adam? No, like um, I said, the big, the biggest part of this one is super generic. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the, like, <laughs> yeah, that's the rock. Like, unless you're a huge superhero fan, you love superhero movies, you watch all the superhero movies, or you're a massive rock fan, or you're one of the five big Black Adam fans waiting for the Black Adam movie, uh, there's really no reason to watch this. Yeah, and if you told me this movie was written by an AI generator, I would believe you. Like, the lines of this movie are, like, the dialogue you would find in every single DC slash Marvel film. Like, they would set up a line, and you, like, know the sentence or where the joke is going to go a mile away. Uh, Like, every joke is so foreshadowed. Like, there's nothing clever about this movie, nothing refreshing. They, They say this changes the power of the DCEU, but it's just like every other dceu movie like it's 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 nothing new it's so cookie cutter from the rest of the films like if you told me this was made by some robot i would actually honestly i'm I'm assuming this is made by a robot yeah that's a good way to describe it though very cookie cutter you know it (laughs) feels like a paint by numbers superhero movie yeah and so like it's not bad but it's at 51 because it's just so boring it's so boring like it's just not good but you know it's fine i guess all right uh going on to number eight another film from the box office this one was at number 10 in the box office uh this one is also arguably just as boring according to myself at least and that is uncharted which is number 13 in the box office with uh, over 148 million dollars domestically hayden has this at 48 tristan has this at 50 and i have it at 53 so we're even closer in agreement yeah we're to this all one. really close yeah. this might be one of the closest one we've all agreed on so far yeah i would say this is the closest yeah we're normally pretty and i think i like this one at least a little more than black adam you know if only because uh at least we don't get as many cool adventure films as we do generic superhero movies i just was just hoping that this would be a little cooler and a little more adventuresome than it ended up being uh it felt it felt okay it was all right it felt like a watered-down Indiana Jones, but I wanted it to be like a supercharged Indiana Jones, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I really don't like this movie. I think this one is, like, actually bad, while Black Adam is just boring and cookie-cutter. Like, this is just, you know, I guess especially compared to The Last of Us, because uh, we're oh. getting a lot of video game adaptations here. Like, this one's just so uninspired, and it's no, I mean, so even boring. Even compared to Sonic 2. It's yeah, Sonic 2, exactly. Like, this is just, like, the worst video game adaptation. Like, this is the reason why... Whoa, this is not the worst video game adaptation. Oh, well, 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 I meant to say this year, but, like... Oh, of the yeah. year. Yeah, sorry. Was Halo this year or last year? Halo Which one? Was this year. Halo was this year? Like, 2022, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's 2022 as well. Yeah, okay, so this is second worst. Thing. Okay, that's fair. I haven't seen Halo, but... Uh, I've seen all the first episode. I never watched the second. So. Oh, hey, hey, maybe it could have really hit its stride in the second episode. <laughs> but yeah this is just such a boring uninspired piece of content like it it really just feels like oh people like tom holland and that's it we'll just slap him on an ip that's kind of known and call it a day uncharted is quite well known it's a pretty freaking popular game franchise Um, even worse but i think that was the thing here they just took a well-known actor and a well-known franchise and put them together without having any lover into it like, I've played uh, bits and pieces of the Uncharted games. I don't think I've ever played a full one through completion. Uh, but they're pretty fun games. They're pretty well made. They're pretty good. And I know that they're very yeah, story-driven, character-driven. You know, it's mostly like a moving movie that you play through, kind of like on Lots of Us as well. Um, they're really, you know, stories heavy and plot-heavy video games. Uh, but I, I have a feeling the person who, who made this, this movie uh, never actually played Uncharted. At least didn't grow up playing Uncharted. They weren't a fan before they made this movie. 
They 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 got tasked. They got the IP rights to a massive franchise, and they want to make money off of it. And so they just, you know, like read the fucking plot synopsis on Wikipedia and threw Tom Holland in there. I felt like this was made by like a real fan, someone who loved the franchise, who truly loved this this property. I feel like there's probably something really cool that they could have done. Yeah. Some real mind twisting, some mind bending sort of you know adventure thriller film. But instead, we got a real generic action film set in pretty generic locations. Uh, with people we all know and sort of like, and you know, it was good enough, nothing more. Mark Wahlberg with a mustache, though. Mark Wahlberg with a mustache was a fun twist. That was the best part. Well, like Tristan said, it feels like, especially nowadays, with all like these video game adaptations and these reboots, people make them for the sake of making them. They don't wait until they have a good idea for it. They just make it because they want to make it. Like the new. Home Alone that came out last year. They made it because Disney had the rights to it. This movie, they made it because they wanted to make a movie based on this, not because they had a good idea for a movie for this. I think what people and companies need to do is wait until they have a really good idea and make a movie that's good, but based on it. Like, that yeah. truly feels like This just felt like a generic act, uh, adventure film, kind of like uh, National Treasure. A lot of the twists gave me National Treasure vibes, except National Treasure was fun. This movie yeah. was kind of bland, boring. We got saw Tom Holland meet uh, Mark Wahlberg with a mustache for the first time. That was kind of fun, but nothing crazy or extraordinary. It felt like they wanted to make an Uncharted movie for the sake of having an Uncharted yeah. movie. Yeah, and who movie. directed this? I, I have no idea who directed this. But I guarantee there's just some probably, you know, studio director who's done a hundred films and no one can really name the director from any of them. Where they most definitely should have found some young, passionate fan of this video game franchise. There has to be Lots of filmmakers who are young and trying to come up in the, in, in the industry who grew up playing this franchise and would have loved to adapt it into a movie. You Ruben know what I mean? Flesher. And never heard of him. He directed Zombieland. Whoa, he directed Zombieland? <laughs> That's, That's actually a banging film. <laughs> <laughs> he also directed Venom in 30 Minutes or Less. Those aren't as good. Tristan stands corrected. Uh, not really. The rest of his... Honestly, he, he directed a lot less than I'd expect. I thought he would for sure be like a bigger studio yeah. director. He's only done like 10 films. Wait, That's the guy that did Zombieland did Venom? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. That's tough. And he's doing 90CM3, which I'm actually kind of hyped for that movie. I don't know how familiar you guys are with the making of this film, but this has been under production hell for years. Oh, so, really? Yeah, so just to jump in, uh, I do agree. It feels like it's a movie that they just slapped together. But this movie was supposed to be made like 10 years ago, and Mark Wahlberg was supposed to be the lead. But they went through so much hell making this movie that Mark Wahlberg became too old to play the lead character, so he had to play the second guy. So then they got Tom Holland. And they it finally got greenlit because Tom Holland agreed to do it. This movie would have never been made if they didn't get the big well, I don't know star. why, because I'm pretty sure, like, um, Jake Sully, that's his name, right? Yeah. No, Nathan Drake. Nathan Drake's the lead. Nathan Jake Drake. Sully, yeah. Yeah, yeah Nathan Drake. Wahlberg. In the video games, he's older than Tom Holland. Oh, yeah. He's closer to Mark Wahlberg's age, I would think. I thought when Tom Holland's casting came out, a lot of people were like, man, he's too young to play Nathan. Or at least too young looking to play Nathan Drake. I guess age wise, he's probably kind of close. But he always has a baby face and whatnot, right? He did high school last year. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I did hear that this one's been in production hell for a while, but I don't like, I know they were just talking about making an Uncharted movie forever, but they didn't actually start making it until like a year or two ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, by production hell, like. Yeah, 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 by production hell, I just mean like Mark Wahlberg has always, so I guess he has the most passion to this movie. He's always wanted to do an Uncharted movie. Apparently, he's the one that's been pitching this for years. And in 10 years, probably an exaggeration, is probably closer to like five or six, but he's been pushing for this for a while. And when they were first making the pitch, he was going to be Nathan Drake, but it took 
too long to get this kickstarted and get the budget and finances for it. So he eventually became Jake Sully, apparently. Um, and honestly, um, I think it's hilarious that this movie was only made because of Tom Holland. And I think the worst part of this movie is Tom Holland. I, I think he's unbearably bad in this movie. Like he is just being Spider-Man in an Indiana Jones movie. And like, I just watched Raiders in theaters a few weeks ago. And it's like Indiana Jones style films, like action adventure, mystery films about finding secret treasures. Like that's so exciting. It's so great in film. And Uncharted should theoretically be the perfect video game to adapt to a movie. This is a perfect film to do. And the script is just painfully boring. It's painfully bad. And Tom Holland is just, I don't know. Like, maybe this is just the Marvel MCU actors just fatigued for making film because he's giving me a lot of Chris Hemsworth from Thor 4 vibes. But he just, it just looks like he's just there just to make money like he does not care at all about this movie he's so muted he's so boring uh although i will agree with hayden and i guess a little bit with tristan here mark Wahlberg's great like, like the, the one shining moment is Wahlberg looks like he's actually having a good time i think the dude's just stoked he finally got him to make his uncharted movie i loved him in the what is this the papa john's trying to find a solve a clue inside a pizza joint like little things like that has its charm it has nothing to do with Uncharted. Uncharted is not this charming, like, goofy, let's solve the clue in a pizza joint kind of video game for, from the vibes I got from it. But, you know, it, it's, it's got its moments, I guess. Yeah, this one's pretty forgetful. We can move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah. Um, two stinkers in a row. Uh, moving on to number seven. We're taking another well, break. We're going to have seven more stinkers in a row here. Hey, well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. We're going to go. Let's see if we can go 10 for 10 here with our top 10 absolute bottom of the garbage here. This one, you guys are going to be more in agreement here, but I do agree this film is very flawed, and that is uh, the seventh worst film, according to us, Bones and All. Oh, yeah, that one yeah. sucks. <laughs> so I have this one at 39. Tristan has this at 56. And Hayden has it at 59. 59, though. That's, uh, that's, that's real. Because I thought there was for sure like two. Oh, the bottom two were obvious. There no, were two movies. There was one movie I was like, okay, that's first. Um, but no, this movie, I was actually pretty excited. Yeah, I thought this was going to be good. I, Tim, uh, Timothy Chalamet, the girl from Escape Room in a horror movie about eating people. Sounds That's like fine. my kind of stuff. Absolutely. But no, it was super boring. I don't know, like, they might have ate, what, one person? Maybe half a person. Yeah, yeah, we didn't even really get to see it. Half a uh, person, yeah. It was just a drama about Timothy Chalamet and this girl having a disease where they eat people, but they don't actually eat people. Instead, we just hear them talk about how they have these desires to eat people. Um, and it was just super fucking boring, which is, yeah, I, I genuinely hate this movie. This movie was so boring. Hey, Tristan. It was so dumb. Yeah? Uh, I'm just wondering, but without looking, do you know what else this director has done? I have no idea. Call me by your name. Of oh, course. Of I'm course. Not, like, oh, yeah. No, I'm not surprised. <laughs> that movie's pretty awesome. Look, Timothy Chalamet's an incredible actor. Get him the hell away from that guy. All right? Keep him as far away from that guy as possible. All right? He deserves so much better. Yeah, Bones, this, yeah, this was just no good. It was so dull. I did not care for the characters at all. I didn't care about anything that was happening. I, I really just didn't. It wasn't fun. I didn't enjoy it. There were so many good horror movies that came out this year. This is not one of them. There were a lot of good dramas that came out this year. This is not one of them. Uh, this is just 
it's boring and dull, and I don't care for any of the characters, and nothing happens. It ends in the same spot it starts, essentially. Nothing, they didn't go anywhere. Like, nothing, nothing happened at the end of it. They didn't learn anything. They're just like, eh, we like to eat people. And the movie's over now. We still like to eat people. And that's pretty much it. Did not care. Thought it was brutal. I couldn't wait for this to be over. This is truly one of those movies when I was watching it. Well, man, I cannot wait for this. Same. To be over. I was just counting down the minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's actually not even that long of a movie, but it feels no. so long. It's like an hour and 40, right? But it, it feels, feels like, like it. <laughs> yeah. And I wouldn't have picked this movie if I saw it before I picked it. It was similar to Hayden and what was the Marcel. movie? Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, similar to Hayden and Marcel, where I picked it. I put it on the list because I planned to watch it that day, but then Andrea really wanted to see it, and she was busy that day, so we pushed it back for the she weekend. Then something popped up for the weekend, so we pushed it back. Like, So we didn't see it until like a week and a half after. I put it on the list, and at that point, you guys already saw it. So when I watched the movie, I went, oh my gosh, there's like nothing to talk about for this movie. Like, This is just not a good movie to put on a podcast. I, like, I would not have put this on, but it's already too little too late. So uh, here we are. There's just really not much to talk about because it, it is ultimately just a very slow movie that is boring. I have it at 39, mostly yeah, because... Yeah, you have it way too high. Why do you have it so Yeah, I, I do have it really high. I guess in hindsight, I'd probably bump it a little bit down, like maybe 42 to the 45 range. Like, I still really, really like the score. I actually think this might be the best score of the year. You know, well, sorry. Aside from Top Gun Maverick and Batman, because those are incredible. But I think this is, like, one of the best scores of the year. And I looked it up, and it's the same guys that did The Social Network. So it makes sense why the score is incredible. Wait, you think the score is better than All Quiet on the Western Front? Um, Yeah. All Quiet, All Quiet is a good score, but I really like Bones and All. Like, I think the score for Bones and All is really good. And it was kind of stuck in my head for like a week after. Like, like it was just, That was one thing that I really picked up from it. Although, like Tristan said, if you want a better horror film, there's plenty out there this year. If you want a better drama, even a better romance film. like There's just better ones out there. Oh. I don't re- know why I would ever go back to pick this one up. I keep trying to give this director a try because I love Chalamet. And I do think Chalamet's great in this movie. And there's things I like about this movie. Like, I think Mark Rylance is eerily very creepy in this movie. Like, just the way he talks is kind of terrifying, despite it being such a slow, drawn-out film. The fact that he's very slow and a little odd and a little creepy, and he always pops in every now and then, it kind of, like, you know, you start to fall asleep, and then, whoa, Mark Rylance is nearby. It's getting a little creepy now. So, I like, there's things I thought were good in this movie, but yeah, as a whole pretty boring movie and just really not much to discuss there's not a whole lot to analyze like okay we get it it's about addiction and the 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 metaphor is being cannibalism in this film about how these people they are kind of these hippies that need to feed off of people similar to people leeching and feeding off of drugs we get it it's fine it's it's good chalamet's good but you know (laughs) i'm with tristan uh, I'd rather watch him do other projects than this kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, he's no gonna win every director. Well, I've only seen two of this guy's movies apparently, and they both suck. Uh, they weren't good. But Chalamet, fantastic in both of them. Always delivered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he always carries the movie. All right. Uh, so let's get out of this movie because there's really not much to discuss. Let's move on to number six. Another Tristan pick here for the sixth worst film according to us, and that is going to be. Blue's Big City Adventure. Aww. Let's no, go. We are all close. 
Yeah, so I have it at 50, Tristan has it at 51, and Hayden has it at 57. I was just excited about Blue's Clues movie. For those who, I didn't love, for those who don't know, like, Blue's Clues was the show I grew up watching when I was like an infant. Like, I was like a toddler. Uh, like, me and Quint, our first dog was named Blue because of how much we would love Blue's Clues when we were kids. So when I heard, uh, you know, a, a, a Blue's Clues movie was coming out and I was bringing back all three of the, the you know, the guides, um, was it Steve, John, and... Blue? No, who was the third dude? The one in the Blue Stripe shirt, though. I don't know that Steve guy. Steve and John were the two I had growing up, I think. Kevin. Was it Kevin? Might have been Kevin. I don't, that sounds right. He, he, was, he had the best singing voice of the three, though, comparatively. Uh, so I thought he was all right. This movie ended up being only kind of okay. I was hoping the three a little more, or at least interact a little more. The two of them were kind of just shoehorned in at the very end. They weren't really in it too much. It was mostly just the, the, the new guy, the guy in the blue shirt. I thought he was cool. I didn't, I didn't hate him or anything. Um, I was hoping it would be a little more of like a, you know, who's mystery, and it really wasn't. It was a little more like a generic kids movie. Yeah, that's fair. And that was, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I was wanting to be more like, I was hoping like in the background, you know, I guess I was hoping it was a Blue's Clues movie meant for made for a general audience. It was very much a Blue's Clues movie made for Blue's Clues' target audience, which is like three to four-year-olds. And so, like, I don't want to shit on this movie because it, it delivered what its target audience was for. It was meant for three and four-year-olds. As, like, a 25-year-old adult watching this, a little <laughs> lackluster, if I'm going to be honest. But I think it, it might be a little harsh to overanalyze this film. That is, like, it's not just, like, a kid's movie. This is a movie meant for preschoolers. This is a movie meant for, like, this isn't like a family film or like a Pixar movie. This is a movie meant for like Disney Junior or Nick Junior. You know, what I mean, like this is meant for like 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 real little ones. So like, I don't want to insult it saying it's you know simple and not much going on because it it was by design, right? They didn't screw up making the movie. They made a simple movie for kids. And here, three adults are you know two and a half adults are here watching it. <laughs> yeah. They uh, of course we're gonna put it low on the list. We're comparing it to things like Everything All at Once and you know. All these other movies. Oh, you don't know if that's on the list yet. Oh, you're right. My bad. I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, be, all these other movies on the list. Like comparing this even to like Uncharted and Black Adam feels a little weird. You know, it's like comparing Baby Einstein to Breaking Bad. It's like obviously these are gonna be, you know, a rough comparison. Uh, Justin got confused because it said two to five, and he thought it said twenty-five. So he thought it was for him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this movie's just fine. Um, I kind of just wish it was more just, you know, I know it's called Big City Adventure, but, like, yeah, we didn't see any of, like, the actual, like, you know, like, salt and pepper and the clock and the soap and mailbox. I agree. Just, just hang out in the house. Hoping for that. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it was because I was hoping to be a little more nostalgic and it really wasn't the most. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe I was just hoping for more nostalgia because it really wasn't that. Uh, and they, they, they did bring back uh, the, the old guy, Steve from back when we watched it. So I that guess that's as, awesome. yeah, that's as nostalgic as I really need it. Like, I did get kind of, you know, stoked a little bit inside when Steve popped up on screen. But, like, why is it about, like, this colorful dog and, like, the, the musical? And, like, like I, that just seemed like, really, this is the big movie that we're going to go off of? But it was fine. Do you guys know who drove the taxi? Did, did, did I tell you guys about this? No. No. So you guys, did, you guys didn't recognize who that was? Plays the Steve character on Robot Chicken. I've never seen Robot Chicken. Neither have I. Well, neither have I. But when they were all in the taxi and they were all like, well, what was the line they all said? No, you expect too much from me, brother. <laughs> Sorry, thought we all remembered this movie. When they were all like sitting in the car, I'm trying to remember what they said, but in the taxi, they were all like, oh, let's get to the clue or something. I don't know. They all said like whatever their iconic line is from Blue's Clues. I don't remember. And all four of them were like, hey, that's my line. I was watching the movie and I was going, 
what the fuck is this taxi guy saying that's his line? Like, like who the fuck is this guy? So I googled it, and yeah, apparently he's the guy. They, they got the dude that voiced the Steve from Blue's Clues robot chicken parodies back in the early 2000s that's as the taxi throwback. driver. That's a good throwback. That's an insane throwback. There's more, there's more care and passion put into this than there was Uncharted. <laughs> I know, that Like that was the craziest callback ever. I... I that's Nobody would know that. Three and four olds figure out. Yeah, I don't know why that was so funny. Like, yeah, no one would know that. But when he said, hey, that's my line, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? So I had to look it up, and I thought that was hilarious. So I'll give them that. Um, and then ironically, I think this is a better version of Spider-Man No Way Home, so I'll give it that as well. But <laughs> <laughs> I gave Spider-Man No Way Home a 1.5, and this is a 2 out of 5, so this is slightly better. But anyways, Haynes, uh, what's your thoughts on Blue's Big City? Um... Is Blue Clues uh, 3D now? Like, yeah, I think that's the way. Yeah, that's the way Blue Clues looks now. I think. Yeah. I thought he looked weird. Yeah. I wish for this movie they brought him back to 2D. I don't know. I don't know. It would have felt more normal. He looked weird. They should have what they did in Dora and have like uh, a scene where they all trip on drugs and it goes 2D for a while. That was fun in the Dora <laughs> movie. I appreciated that. Yeah. The Dora movie. See the Dora movie. See, I was hoping this would be like the Dora movie for Blue's Clues. Where it takes a property for like three or four year olds and spins it into still a kids movie for kids, but it's more like a family film. You know what I mean? And it just goes nuts to butts wild. You know, they they fucking everything to the wind in that one. Dora, the Dora movie went off the hinges. When this one here, they didn't really. They played it safe. It was still meant for three and five year olds. It wasn't meant for a family film. You know, it was more generic and safe and whatnot. I was really hoping they would go off the rails to do with Dora. Because Dora held held nothing back. Dora yeah. really went for it. That's why I gave this movie a 57, because I hold nothing back. This movie kind of suck yeah i also picked this one before i watched it but unlike you two schlups i have no regrets i'd still pick this one again (laughs) all right um moving on to the fifth worst we are now in the top five worst films according to us and uh we're slowly in more and more agreement over here we are going to be talking about my most anticipated film of the year that did not turn out as good as i was hoping and that is blonde so I, wow. have, I have this at 47, Hayden has this at 58, and Tristan has this at 60. Um, yeah, this is the worst <laughs> movie of the year, bar none. <laughs> Sorry, Hayden, why, why did you say wow? I thought, I thought Tristan was going to give us 59. <laughs> no. Nope, nope, you found, you, you found one that was worse than 59. Um, Blonde, yeah, Tristan, this is your least favorite of the year. It did crack the bottom five, so... Hands down. Yeah. <laughs> not even a question. It should be dead last on the podcast. This movie is terrible. <laughs> There's not a movie... I don't, I don't get mad off that this movie pissed me off. I do not like this one in the slightest. I think this movie is terrible. I think it's disgusting. The only saving grace at all is Onda Armas is a great actress. Yes. But just because they had one decent casting choice doesn't save this movie from being an absolute atrocious pilot dog. This thing sucks in every way possible. I hate this movie. I hate how long it was. It was so long, so boring, nothing happened. It was all made up. This wasn't a biopic. It was bullshit. It was all made up. Well, how do you know? Because none of it was real. How do you know? I guess I wasn't around. I guess I technically don't know, but neither do they. <laughs> but I'm not telling people that I'm right. See, this movie, the three hours was fucking rubbish. It was way too long. I felt super unneeded. I have it at 58 and not lower because of Anna Arms' performance. I thought she did fantastic. I thought... The movie looked really good, but it was three fucking hours, and I had to waste my afternoon watching this movie because of Quentin. Um, so I think 58 is very 
Too fair. generous. It's, I think it's fair. She did really good, and solely because of her, I have it fifty-eight. Yeah. Yeah, I'm at 47. I I do have a lot of issues with this movie, but uh, similar to the two points Hayne made, I think Ana Darmas is really, really good. Like, I really liked her in this movie. It might be her best performance yet, but I guess she hasn't done that many lead performances, so it's tougher to say. But I thought she was really great, and similar to what Hayne touched on, I, I really liked the cinematography. I thought there were some really great shots, really good-looking moments. Uh, you know, <laughs> I already mentioned the transition scene, but there's a few good transitions. The transitions really are fun. so bad. Yeah. It kept zooming into fetus in between scenes. <laughs> okay, well, okay, no. wow. Yeah, no. we, yeah, let's not even touch on that. We talked about that once, but the, the fetus stuff uh, is honestly my biggest issue. Like, I just think there's... You could take creative decisions to tell a story about someone if you're trying to you know as long as you're open about this not being a true story you're just creating uh you know a tale spun from someone's life like, like you don't have that much of an issue with why it but when you start character though? why do you have to make up lies about a real person particularly someone yeah. who's been had lies made up about them their entire life yeah you know how they're never accepted in the industry and how they're always put in a box and then here put them back into another box that's completely made up this time just because we want to yeah, and then the no miscarriage sense. stuff. It's gross and disgusting, yeah. and I hate it. Well, the miscarriage stuff really feels, like, disgusting. Yeah, like, like it's just so, it's so uncalled for. It's distasteful to just depict that about someone's life, about her miscarriage and how that, terrible that is, and she must have secretly regretted it. Like, you're taking something that she has done herself in real life, and you are saying, oh, she must have secretly regretted it because it's such a disgusting thing that she did. Like, that's really distasteful and it's just really uncalled for and that stuff i just hate the talking fetus just is a creative liberty that just should not be existing like it's just it's really bad in a film um i'm not expecting all biopics to be like a documentary because if because then if that's the case it might as well just be a documentary but i do at least have some respect for the person you're doing a story on and it feels like there's not that much respect for it so exactly. I don't and love I get, the movie. Like, obviously, biopics aren't documentaries, and you have to cut things out because for save time, you have to add things in to make it more interesting, make more, you know, for an audience to watch. But that's different than making straight up lies yeah. and just putting words in people's mouths like, and just making up bullcrap of people who are dead and can't defend themselves. And anyone who actually met them is also dead and can't defend them. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, most, and most people who are alive when she was around are dead at this. There's very few of them still around. So, like, it's no one really knows if any of this is true. Uh, but there's one person who's out there trying to profit off telling everyone that it is. And I think that's ridiculous and disgusting, and I don't like that at all. It's different than, like, even Spencer. At least Spencer didn't paint her in a bad light. Like, why are we making up lies to bring, her, bring, bring a dead woman down for no reason? Like, like, at least Spencer had her in a positive light, and she was, you know, a role model type character. Unlike in Blonde, like, man, this dead woman sucks, which is ridiculous. <laughs> like, that's utterly, like, that's terrible. Like, yeah. why would you do that to a person? I thought it was horrendous. Yeah. I, it, like I said, this movie straight up pissed me off. Sure, Ana de Armas is good, but everyone knows she's a good actress. That's not news. All right? It's not because anyone in this movie did anything right. She's the only one who knew what she was doing. This movie's terrible. Just awful film. Never watch it. This is... I hated this. Yeah, but in uh, relation to Babylon, it's something that I've been thinking about since we had that mm-hmm. discussion about Blonde in September, Tristan, when we were talking about how do we need biopics and like fabulized versions similar to spencer and then this film where they kind of 
tell a creative story revolving a real person. And I said that they should. Like, like, like I, I don't have yeah. an issue with telling the story. And you brought up some good points. And after watching this movie and really thinking about it, and just, I really don't like how they took someone that died years ago and Hollywood's basically just telling whatever fable they want with this person. It does feel gross. And then we get to Babylon. And I've now kind of turned on my decision in September about how creating, you know, telling a fabulized version of a real person is totally fine. I now don't really think it is. And I do like the idea of what Babylon did, which was all the people that the everyone was playing in Babylon is based off of a real person from the transition from silent films to talkies, right? Like obviously Toby Maguire played a fictionalized version of Charlie Chaplin. His character wasn't named Charlie Chaplin, but that's what his character was based on. And that's what he's trying to portray. And every other character in the movie is portraying someone from the silent era that's moving into the talkies, but they give him a different name. Maguire like a mobster though? Um, well, he's just like some rich guy that has crazy movie ideas. I, I, I didn't get the vibe that he's actually like a mobster. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they like make creative decisions around, like like obviously yeah. Tobey Maguire isn't playing Charlie Chaplin, but his character was based off of that. And it's clear that, you know, the, he's got the cane, he's got the hat, he's got the makeup. Like they're yeah, yeah. playing fun of all these iconic silent era stars, but they give them fictionalized names and, fi- and they're clearly fictionalized characters just based off the people. And I think that's actually the way they should be doing it. Like even Spencer. Absolutely. Yeah, I love Spencer. But what's stopping it from just like, it's obviously Princess Diana, but like just change the name and then make like yeah. just so that way we aren't actually comparing her to a real life exactly. person. That's no dead. one's being misconstrued yeah. and thinking this is a, an actual yes. biopic, yeah. right? Because this isn't a biopic, right? It's fanfic. I think that's, I think that's a term we use back in yeah. the summer, right? It's not an actual biopic. It's all made up. Yeah. And I think that there should be a distinction between documentaries, biopics, and whatever this bullcrap is. Yeah. Those are three different things, right? And there's a time and place for, well, for sure, biopics and documentaries. I've, I'm, still, my, my, I'm still out on, on, on these sort of made-up stories of real people. I don't like it. Either make up people and make up stories about them or tell real stories about real people. Those are your options here. Or if you, want, if you do want a middle ground, as Quentin mentioned, have something like Babylon where it's, a real time, a real place, and real things that really did happen, but not quite in this way, not quite with these people, not, you know, this is still a fictional story about a real situation. Or even the Titanic, I guess, would be another example of that. Or yes. um, not Once Upon a Time in Hollywood would be another great example of that, right? Obviously, it's not actually what happened, but no one walked out of that movie thinking that's actually what happened in that situation. Everyone knows what happened to a uh, Sharon Tate and whatnot in that, in that situation. It didn't play out the way it did in the movie, but that's very obvious in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And Blonde, it's less obvious. Now, luckily, Blonde sucks as a film, so I don't think anyone's just going to scroll to Netflix and stumble upon it and watch it and think <laughs> it's real. The only one who clicks on it is turning it off halfway through because it's too damn long and too damn freaking boring for anyone to sit through unless they feel like they have to for a podcast or something. Uh, so <laughs> I'm really not too worried about people stumbling upon this and misconstrued about Marilyn Monroe. The three hours will scare people But off. the director freaking tried. And the, yeah, the three hours will scare people off. The fact that the movie sucks will scare people off. If the director was good at his job, he might have had a better chance of doing it. But he failed it every step of the way. So, of course, no one's going to watch this because it sucks ass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> we can move on to number four. And another... I'm, honestly, I'm just disappointed this isn't dead last. I can't believe you guys thought other movies were worse than this. Because I don't think I've ever seen I think this might be the worst movie I've ever watched. I, <laughs> I think this movie is utter garbage. Oh, no. Man, maybe we should do like a worst movie ever draft and you can pick this one. This is number one. <laughs> this movie sucks. <laughs> this is number one. 
All right, uh, so we can move on to number four, the fourth worst film, according to us. It uh, surprisingly was not in the box office, despite making uh, one more billion dollars, but Tristan did pick this, and that is Morbius. So One more billion dollars. How is this worse than Blonde? You guys are... <laughs> well, no, 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 this is definitely worse. Uh, Tristan has no, this it's at... not. <laughs> I think it's no, it's not. This is way better than Blonde. <laughs> Tristan has this at 54, Hayne has it at 55, and I have it at 58. Yeah. Oh, I guess, it's, I guess, I guess Black Adam's not our lowest rated superhero. No, no, when you guys were talking about it being the lowest rated superhero movie, I was like, how could they forget about Morbius? I knew this was coming. Yeah. I love that this is a movie that flopped, not one. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, the fact that it came in theaters a second time is easily the best part of this movie. Like, everything oh, yeah. about this social media-wise is pretty great. Oh, like, <laughs> Sony dropping this a second time, honestly should be enough reason for Sony to just never make movies again. Like, I honestly got secondhand embarrassment from that. It was so embarrassing. Like, that is the most embarrassing thing a studio could have ever done. Like, Sony should take a hard look at themselves in the mirror right now. Like, that's so... Like, whoever... Someone should have fired. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, anybody that's involved in the making of this movie should just be let go. Like, I'm not saying this lightly. 58 is me being generous. This movie's genuinely terrible in every conceivable way. Oh, it's significantly better than Blonde, though. <laughs> I can flip through this movie five times over. Um, like, like, honestly, this movie, this movie is just real generic. You know exactly how it's going to the moment it starts. Uh, like, no question about it. Um, and that's, you know, it is what it is. And Jared Leto can't act for shit on Anna de Armas. But I, um, yeah. Or even The Rock. We're comparing it to, like, Black Adam. Yeah, it, this does really feel like uh, like Black Adam, but with less budget, a even somehow less well-known character, a significantly worse lead actor, a more generic bad guy. Actually, I least I can remember the bad guy in this one. I can't remember the bad guy in Black Adam, so maybe this was the edge on that regard. It's because the bad guy's the exact same as Morbius. Yeah, once again, the classic origin story trope. The bad guy's the same thing as the good guy, but he's bad. That's the difference. Venom did it twice. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> um, yeah, Sony really can't come up with creative bad guys at all, which is weird because Spider-Man, which is the only franchise they own, Spider-Man has like one of the most you know iconic rogues gallery of villains, and Sony keeps somehow shitting it up every single time. Uh, this movie is bad, but it's no blonde. Uh, this movie at least has some fun moments. Uh, it has action, unlike blonde, so that's decent, I guess. Hey, blonde had some action. Not- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess it did, eh? You know, I got nothing else to say. It's just absolutely terrible. It's the worst thing about, like, it's the worst possible thing you could do with a superhero movie is just make it so utterly bland and generic. It's just, it's terrible in every way. I, I yeah, but at least they did not lie about people, all right? They told you from the beginning that this is a fictional. All right, it's not vampires. This whole bottom five just is going to compare it to Blonde. Yeah, because I can't, I thought for sure Blonde was going to be dead last. I thought, uh, I thought what a hundred percent blonde. I knew for a fact it wasn't. We, I knew we had Quentin. I didn't think Quentin was that stupid. Like, that movie is garbage. <laughs> like, it's so bad in every way. There's oh, the man. only redeeming factor is on Adama's performance, which is why I would rather watch that over Bones and all. Because there was like even Timothy, no. no Timothy Chalamet didn't even like give yeah, a the same performance. No, honestly, he's eye candy. But like on Under Arms did amazing in that movie. Oh, there's some of the cool special yeah. effects with the eating people scenes were fun. Those are pretty. What all right. eating people? They ate half a person, then they cut through the credits. Yeah, 
That's more people than they eat. Why does why <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we should go by uh, how many people are eating in the film. That, that should be well, the Well, in that case, Morbius is up there. He yeah, Morbius is looking pretty good all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah, let's go. Let's go, BB. Yeah, we'll go off of how many people are eating. That should be the new scale. For 2023, that's what we'll rank. Well, we don't even have fresh on here, and that's all. Oh, yeah, that would have been a top be 10 for well. sure. Yeah. After's yeah, up there. Good. A lot of people get eaten in that movie. Yeah, like, yeah no, I'm not comparing this to Blonde, but Blonde, as Hayden says, has Honor to Armors, which is a top 10 performance of the year. Like, like it's a really good performance. Uh... I wouldn't give it top. <laughs> well, you know. I want to give that movie top ten in anything. Everything ever has like four, just in that one movie. Uh, actually, yeah, that's a good point. Um, and then the film also has some really good cinematography, and Morbius looks like absolute shit. So you know, this is definitely a worse film in my mind. But no, you know, I didn't watch this movie twice in the runtime of Blonde, and I would <laughs> choose to watch it five times instead of watching it. Oh my god, I would never watch more. Well, to be fair, I would never watch either of them again. So I guess. Yeah, no, yeah. I would never watch either one of them again. But if if I was over at a friend's house and we're picking a movie, he's like, "Hey, I've never seen Morbius. Can we throw this one?" I'd be like, "Sure, but go ahead." If they're like, "Hey, wow. I've never seen Blanc. Can we throw this on?" I'm like, "I'm not your friend anymore." Here. <laughs> I'm out the door. Like I'm not staying around for that. I'm gone. Yeah, um, I, I would be out for both. I would not like you. Uh, you know, maybe I'm not a good friend, but. If, a friend came to me and said he wanted to watch either of these. I would go, no, let's watch this instead. Like, I would not willingly watch either of these again. But, you know, I guess that's just me. Um, anything else you guys want to say about Morbius? It's better than Blonde. <laughs> okay. All right. Moving into the third worst film, according to us, except for Tristan. This is definitely better than Blonde, according to Tristan. But we okay. have... Minions: The Rise of Gru as the third worst film, and number six in the I box office. I, I thought this was gonna be low. I like the lowest. Yeah, well, I guess it's right where I put it. Eh? Did that yeah, it's exactly where you put it, Tristan. Uh, well, actually, it's, no, no, yeah. sorry, no. Uh, you put it no, as the fourth worst. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Now this yeah. movie's bad. They haven't been good since two thousand and nine. I mean, like they always they freaking suck. So it's no different here. Yeah. He's a 54. Hayne has a 56. Tristan has that 57. So he's the closest on the mark here. I guess none of us have it at 58, which is where it's at. But, but I guess this one is fitting us right after a uh, Morbius. Because much like Morbius, the most interesting thing about this was definitely the social media. But rather than releasing it twice and making no money like Morbius, they released it once and made all the money. In fact, it's the first one to make $1 million. All right, the gentle minions <laughs> showed up in rows for this film, and you know it's going to happen the same every time. They're... No, I mean I think some people will try to start it up, but it will never hit like that height. Like, oh, not that height, but you yeah. know, there's so many theaters of people in seats. Gentle minions, that was such a good trend. I thought that was hilarious. I yeah. really stand about it. I thought all the guys <laughs> in suits, all the guys that girls up in suits, nothing but respected them. Yeah, I, I love that them. Awesome. The gentle Except minions the is such a good line. In the theaters. That's the only thing I didn't like. Apparently, people were being disrespectful in the theaters. Oh, fuck you can't show up in a suit and be disrespectful. All right, come oh, on. It's the minions. It's not classy. Yeah, yeah. That that's oh, not. A, yeah, those are the fake. Not. Yeah, the ones that are assholes in theaters. They're the fake gentle minions. Uh, they're they're not. Yeah, gentle they're not the real yeah. gentle minions. The real gentle minions showed up. Yeah. And they they acted like like gentle minions should. You know, they dress yeah. proper. They act proper. They yeah. enjoy a quality family program. Yeah, they're classy um, men for a classy film. Absolutely. Yeah, the social media around this film is easily the most notable thing about it. And really probably the only thing that will be remembered from this film. Yeah, uh, I, I forget I, this whole movie. I hope to God they stop making these movies. But I know they won't. Yeah, they look at that number. Money. Look at that number. They keep making crazy money. 
So, yeah. I mean, good for them, I guess. They found a recipe that works. I just hate the flavor. Yeah, over $369 million domestically. <laughs> like, it's insane. Yeah. That's, like, that's, that's better than Marvel movies this year. You know, It beat Thor. Good. And it had, like, a fraction of the budget. Yeah, the budget's Minions, way less. Minion movies cost nothing to make, and they make insane money. It's yeah, this, pro- this made more profit than any oh. MCU film. Yeah. Yeah. Really? This year, for sure, yeah. Definitely. Wakanda would be expensive. Although Wakanda, I think, had the lowest year. Wakanda was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Wakanda was way better than this. Like, Wakanda, Wakanda and Doctor Strange both made more money than this movie, but uh, just based off of its budget. This would have been, like, half the budget, and it was not, It was pretty close to, the, to how much it made. So, yeah. I, I would say, surprisingly, that this movie probably profited more than those two. One but... thing I do remember kind of like about this movie, it had some pretty good songs in there. The soundtrack was pretty all right. Well, yeah. Well, now that we're taking a break from shitting on it for a second, I have it at fifty-four. But this is easily top five Illumination movie. Like, I, like I think there's like something in this movie. Like, I thought the James Bond opening montage to the movie, where it did like the same kind of like credit song that you would see from a James Bond film, was yeah. super fun. There's some creative liberties in this film that is kind of enjoyable. Like, this is way better than the first Minions. This is way better than Despicable. Oh yeah, Three. no, this is significantly better. Like, than the yeah, first <laughs> this is actually like. Okay, like yeah. it's, it's decent. I loved the opening of the first one, where it's just the minions the trying montage. to find a master. Yeah, the montage. The, that the, was the best part of the two movies, and the rest felt generic as fuck. So I would put the first one simply because of the opening montage. I guess. Yeah, yeah, the opening montage in the first one is good, but it's also in the trailer of the first movie. So I did not even have to watch the movie. That's just the trailer. So. Yeah, the movie added nothing. And this film is enjoyable, and there's, like, a bunch of bad guys, like, a you know, a, a nun with crosses. Like, like, there's some, like, wacky stuff that's enjoyable in this movie. I have it a 54, because uh, it still sucks, but it's good for illumination. Yeah. All right, so we can move on to number two here, the second worst film, according to us, and the worst film, according to me, because that is... Jurassic World Dominion. Oh my god, you're so wrong. Yeah, I can't believe this. Like this, this movie's bad. This movie, this movie's. I thought we were gonna be unanimous on the worst movie of the year. Nope. Look, I thought honestly heading into this year, I thought we were too. But this year threw some real stinkers at us. All right, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Okay, this movie had some yeah. incredible movies, some phenomenal, films, literal masterpieces. And it had a couple real freaking stinkers. And this is one of them. This was awful. This movie is atrocious. This movie is bad, bad. Who in the freaking right mind thought that they would make a, a dinosaur movie be about bugs? That was the stuff. That was going to be one of the stupidest executive decisions I've ever seen. That was ridiculous. And then, okay, spoilers for Jurassic World Dominion, but I'm saying for you guys all the time. Don't freaking watch it. The fact that, that at the very end, the big battle that was set for the two big dinosaurs to fight, had literally zero stakes. I've never seen a final battle have less stakes in the film than this. Literally, all the main characters hop on a helicopter, fly off, and the camera stays on the ground watching the two dinosaurs fight for 10 minutes before panning back to the people who are already safe in the air and to finish the rest of the plot. Isn't it all on fire? Like, the dinosaurs aren't going to live. Uh, that I can't remember. Uh, I, I truly cannot remember uh, that part. I remember that they, all the humans left, and the dinosaurs were fighting just because they wanted us to have an action scene at the end, not because it mattered to anything at all. The plot, the characters, the people, no one cared about that at all. It wasn't even important to the movie. They're like, well, I guess it is supposed to be a dinosaur movie. We spent 90% of it talking about bugs, so slap the two T-Rex at the end 
hugging each other and call her a day. It was embarrassing. Like, who thought that would be a good idea for a Jurassic World? There's one thing I learned in the year 2022, and that is if your second movie in a trilogy is shit, it's a, probably a good sign that the third movie in the trilogy is going to be pretty close in quality. Because I remember Halloween Kills, everyone kept saying, all right, all right, guys, that movie did suck, all right? I'll agree with you there. But at least Halloween Ends is going to be great, right? Like, at least it's going to set up. A gr- like, you know, set it up, right? Like, oh my gosh, uh, we can't wait to see Laurie and Michael Myers face off. It's, it's set it up, all right? It was a setup movie, guys. They had to do this. It's okay. And then Halloween Kills wasn't the best. And then this time, all right, guys, I know Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom was possibly the worst film ever made in the history of Real. film. But at least, guys, <laughs> at least. You just talked with Blonde. <laughs> No, 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 no. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is in my bottom five of all time. Like, I, no, of, of all time. Like, a horrible movie. But it's okay, guys. Fallen Kingdom, set, it, it had to set up the dominoes for Dominion to knock it down, all right? Like, dinosaurs are now on all over Earth. We got a baby. Jurassic World Dominion is going to hit it out of the park. Fallen Kingdom was absolute trash, but at least it's going to set something up good, right? No, no. Like, if the second movie's trash, uh, we need to stop this whole thing of, guys, they had to, all right? They had to make a bad movie to set up a good one. No, no, no. It, I agree. It, yeah, I'm you, done. Yeah. <laughs> fool me one, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on you. But fool me three times, no more, all right? After these two movies, I can confidently say that if they ever have a movie, that just sucks. I am not going to go to the theaters because I fell for it for this one. I saw this in theaters and I, I wasted money. I gave money. They made over $376 million domestically. I'm part of the issue for that. I apologize to everybody out there. And anybody that paid money for this should feel guilty because this was, because I do. I feel guilty that I contributed to the worst film of the year making money because this, this film sucks. It's just a bad movie. It's about fucking bugs. It's not even about dinosaurs roaming the earth. It's about dinosaurs no. stuck in a fucking park again. Like, just everything about this movie is so yeah, that's the thing. fundamentally like, I bad. I really thought that this one would be finally dinosaurs in the real world. That's what we want. And then all the scenes of dinosaurs in the real world were in the freaking trailer, which was like two-minute quick montage at the beginning or whatever. And then all takes place in like a research facility, which is essentially just a big park or whatever in the mountains, which is the same, same freaking shit. And there's it's all so the bad. bugs, not even the dinosaurs in there. Yeah, and then they brought so the bad. they brought the iconic three back from the first movie, and all and three of them happen. are fucking terrible. They're all horrible in this movie. They brought them back and just shat on them. It, it's it's terrible. Are you kidding me? Jeff Goldblum, his character in the first movie is amazing, and in this movie, well, what in the first movie, the entire time he's criticizing the park and saying how this is fundamentally flawed, and he's the voice of the people. But in this in this movie, he's like undercover, secretly working for the bad guys which is helping them, by the way. He's helping the bad guys out, but he's secretly undercover so he can help out Laura Dern halfway through the film. Give me a fucking break. Jeff Goldblum would have never done that in the first movie. He's a totally different character in this. And then Laura Dern and Sam Neill are are suddenly a couple just because they were good friends in the first movie. And of course, in modern filmmaking, if a guy and a girl are friends, they must secretly love each other. They, they, they were they never had a romantic chemistry. It was like a flirt man's at best in the first movie. It was innocent and a really great friendship. I actually love their friendship in the first movie. And they basically said, bend over, Quentin, because this couple's getting fucked now. And fuck you. <laughs> and fuck Jurassic Park. This movie hates Jurassic Park. It's basically giving me a fucking middle finger the entire time. It looks like shit. And it is shit. 
Congratulations. Wait, see, I do find it interesting that you're more mad about this franchise shitting on made-up characters than Blonde for shitting on a real person. <laughs> hey, I... <laughs> you know what? I'm a hypocrite, Justin, all right? I have more nostalgia <laughs> and more love towards Jurassic Park than I do Marilyn Monroe. I'm sorry, Monroe. You were unfairly treated. But at least Anna Darmus is good in that movie. These people all suck oh, in this God. movie. Yeah, but at least this one did have dinosaurs. Oh, my Blonde God. Have not a single dinosaur. I know, set in the past. <laughs> yeah, although if we were going off of uh, people dying in this movie, then this might make top 10. The, the, people oh, did die. people being eaten. Lots of people eaten. Actually, way less people eaten than yeah, I wanted to. Actually, hold on a second. How many people did die in this movie? Like, very I little. I can't remember a single one. I would say maybe a handful. Like, less than, like, I can count them all. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that sounds but right. My, my real question, how many of them died to dinosaurs and how many of them died to Chris Pratt doing shit? <laughs> Yeah, Chris Pratt is really bad. Oh, man, Actually, Chris Pratt was brutal. Oh my god, everybody in this movie is bad. Abysmal. Anytime anything happened, all he would do was smolder at the camera and stick his arm out. Just yeah. smolder at the camera and stick his arm out. That was his only shot in the whole film. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't do anything. Whenever he saw any dinosaur, he'd stick his arm out. And they would immediately stop and do what he wanted. Because his arm was out. Yeah. And it was the most ridiculous fucking thing ever. I hated it. it yeah, because so sticking the arm bad. out makes sense in the first Jurassic World because they're yeah, trained they're raptors. And then that's kind of, yeah. And that's the train that he has done with them when they were growing up with them. But when a T-Rex is coming exactly. out of a container and he has his arm stick sticking out. The, the, the dinosaur's just going to eat the fucking arm. Like, why is the dinosaur reacting to that? It makes no sense. Yeah, this movie was atrocious. This movie went out of its way to be the worst fucking movie ever. I'm convinced. This movie right, went like, out of its way. I don't know how way. they could make a movie this bad. Like, they had to try to make it this bad. They, they, they actively tried. Into making it this lame. They could have done anything. It would have been better. We were joking that Hayden could have made a better Thor 4 with $250 million. We could, Hayden could have made a better Jurassic World Dominion with $50 million. Like, with like a You guys, you guys see how like, every poster has like the skull dinosaur? What if they brought back a dinosaur that's made of bone? Oh, so like a night museum type thing? I still think that's a shitty plot, but better than that. It'd be way better. It's just what Hayden's movie At least it's about a yeah. dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, honestly, uh, we just start throwing money at Hayden here. He can make way better blockbusters than this. Uh, anybody could make a better Jurassic World Dominion than this movie. What if movie? they had a, 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 a person and a dinosaur hook up and have a dinosaur <laughs> that Oh, 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 oh. And then the movie is just a classic coming of age film about the mother and the dinosaur raising the child. It's still better than this one. Like, this movie's easy. It's so easy to make. Just have dinosaurs fighting near the Statue of Liberty and near That's the Eiffel Tower. Need. Like, just yeah. have them fight near a bunch of landmarks and it would be so cool. Like, even if the story is still stupid and even if they have Jeff Goldblum secretly with the villains and, uh, you know, Laura Dern and Sam Neill secretly dating again or whatever the fuck they like they could butcher the fucking story but if there were still dinosaurs fighting all around the world by cool landmarks like have a fucking t-rex run past a sphinx like i don't give a fuck if the story sucks just have some cool action but this movie doesn't even have that this movie has nothing it's genuinely terrible it's insulting they actively made this terrible i i hate this movie it's still better than Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, but I, I hate this movie. Yeah, I don't know which one I hate more. They both are really bad. They're both really oh, bad. Fallen Kingdom's worse. Like, Fallen Kingdom, half the movie's in a house. At least Fallen Kingdom was about dinosaurs. 
Like that's what it comes down to. At least it was about dinosaurs. This one wasn't even. Yeah, that is a good point too. Just as you mean, Chris Pratt was all like worse in this movie. Oh, Chris Pratt was even more annoying in this one. He was yeah. bad at Bond Kingdom, but even more so in this. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I worse. I have Chris in this. Pratt fever. Not a um, But but just do you remember when we did the Jurassic Park podcast? And at the beginning, we were like, okay, Tristan hasn't seen Jurassic World Dominion, so whenever we get to that movie, Tristan's just going to yeah. bounce out for a bit. And we're like, anyway, so the worst movie of the Jurassic Park franchise is Jurassic World Dominion. And you're like, well, I haven't seen the movie, but you guys are all fucking wrong. How the hell could this be worse than Fallen Kingdom? Yeah, yeah. You, guys were, you guys were right. I think it is worse than Fallen <laughs> You guys were right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know how they could have. But apparently it's worse. not the worst movie of the year. No, no, it's not. Uh, the worst film of the year, according to us and according to Hayden. Damn fucking straight. Is Hayden's pick itself, After Ever Happy. So Hayden has this in last, and Tristan and I have this at 59. Yeah, we're, we're all close. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. This one's going. Of course. <laughs> Yo, this is a major drop off from last year. Last year, I put number three at 25. No yeah. way. Fucking straight? Holy <laughs> crap. This year, now, this is a lot better, but also, yeah. the ending of this movie, spoiler alert, there was no ending. Like, like they just kind of stopped once they hit the hour and a half mark yeah. and said, okay, we'll finish the story next time. Yeah. Which they did it last time, but at least last time, you know, they ended it on a plot. It's like, oh my God, Harden just found out his mom is fucking his neighbor or something like that. Like, some weird twist where his mom's having sex with someone the day before her wedding. Where this one, they just kind of ended it where, okay, they're not together anymore, but they will be later. Which is like, what the fuck? I want to see these two go through, like, have major fights. I want major problems. Stupid-ass plot twists. But this movie kind of resolved all the problems, but then kind of created another one where, like, they're both not together, both kind of living their own lives but they're not done with the story yet. They're not done milking the shit out of this cow. They were done with the story three movies ago. They just haven't given up yet. For those who haven't seen the after franchise, don't. Um, but it's essentially just a, uh, these two people who get together and they hate one another, but they, they are in a relationship. And they keep fighting because they hate one another. So then they break up, but they're really horny. And the only one who will end up sex with them is each other. So they go back together. And then they break up again because they hate one another. And it happens every movie at least twice. So around eight to ten times total now. And so I'm really excited to see what happens next time. I'm thinking they might get back together, but I don't quite know. So I'll have to wait for the fifth movie in the franchise. I think she's going to be pregnant. Oh, she's getting pregnant for sure. She's getting pregnant. There's no question. She's so pregnant. far, every movie has made less than the one before it. So this one has made $18.8 million, which is eighteen point eight too much. <laughs> Absolutely. But this... sadly... I contributed to that. You saw some theaters? I do kind of like how bad these are. I can't stress how much, though, the two lead characters in this movie are dreadful. They are both awful people. They are annoying, and I hate them, and they're egotistical, and they're self-centered, and they never make the right decision, and they always think they're in the right. They never admit when they're wrong. They never learn anything. Neither one of them ever learns a thing. They keep making the same decisions and are always surprised that the decisions they make are the bad ones. Even though they keep making them every freaking time. Who do you think is first, though? Harden is worth yes, the okay, Harden you. is an absolutely massive asshole. And the only thing that concerns me, and I know I talked about this last time, uh, last year, is like these movies are also targeted for like teenage girls. The, the, the target audience for these films 
are like 13 to 16, maybe 17 year old girls. And I, I hope this isn't supposed to be some sort of aspirational relationship, that this is what young girls think that relationship should be or how relationships should act or behave, because both of them, the male and female in this movie, the leads, are, are, are truly terrible people. Not the actors. I'm, I, I have no idea what the actors are. I like. mean, the actors signed up for four movies. So That's true. But I'm sure they just want money. I'm, I'm fine with that. The, the characters. The characters <laughs> are absolutely awful people. Just horrendous, god-awful human beings, and I hate them. They are just disgusting people. They are not role models. They're not aspirational. And I, I don't hate the franchise, because I think they're so bad that they are kind of entertaining how shitty <laughs> yeah. they are. I just worry that some particularly young, impressionable women or young, impressionable girls are going to get the wrong idea of relationships and how they should be and how people should be treated in relationships, because they truly are disgusting, this relationship. They are not good for one another. They're not good people. They're just bad individuals. Yeah. And I hope that people don't take the wrong thing from this. This is a what not to do in relationships, not a, a an aspirational idea of what it is. They should watch Valentine's Day and watch Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, that, yeah. That's that's. There's so many better course. romance movies, even teen romance movies, in this one. There are bajillions of them. Even The Kissing Booth is better than these, and that's saying a lot. Uh, that's saying a lot. But it's a hundred percent right because these are significantly like like a handstand. Yeah, both quality in film and just how awful the two lead characters are. They are horrendous. The lead character in Kissing Booth is awful. She's annoying. I hate the shit. She's annoying, but I don't think she's generally a bad person. I know. I, 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 she is terrible. I no, no. She. Oh. Well, well, I would say she's a bad person, but she is a fucking saint compared to these two. Like, like, like I don't awful. think she's a good person in Kissing Booth, but um, at least she's like you know, at least she's got like some redeemable qualities. At least like you kind of understand some of her reasoning yeah. in this movie. These two people are just the fucking worst. Uh, I really don't got that much to add. Uh, Tristan absolutely nailed it. They're both terrible human beings, especially Harden. And I really hope that this isn't something that people look up to because this is a very toxic relationship that is kind of reminiscent of relationships you probably see in real life of abuse. And, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, you kind of hope that she can see the red flags and eventually get out of this domestic abuse that she's in because i think harden is a fucking nightmare in this film um but honestly this is the most boring film of it the is. franchise like it's just yeah. dull nothing happened like i have it at 59 because i think the third one and the second one are significantly worse like they're just painfully terrible and this one is kind of forgettable almost like it's almost like nothing really happens most because they're broken up for most of the movie like i think half of the time they're not together in this one which is a huge relief and good because i don't want them together like they're just fucking terrible so this one is at 59 because they are broken up for half of it so at least it's kind of bearable at times but it's it it, this is easily the most dull of the four like it's just so boring like it's just not even enjoyable is this the worst movie of the year well, I think Jurassic World Dominion is the worst of the year, but yeah, and I, I think Blonde's worse. But I can most definitely see why. You know, I'm not yeah. surprised by this at all, and it's a pretty, pretty fitting spot for it. I feel like it, it is truly a terrible film, and I guess that's a good point, right? Like at least Jurassic World has like dinosaurs, so Tristan yeah. can enjoy that, and Blonde has Ana de Armas, so I can Ana enjoy that. But even I agree, she does great. Ana de yeah. Armas delivers; she sets up the role yeah. pretty damn well. There's literally nothing good about this. Like, there's nothing good. Yeah, the performances are good. There are no dinosaurs. No one gets eaten at all. <laughs> um, no one dies. No one gets eaten by a human. No. Yeah. No. I I think this is definitely the worst on the podcast, but it's not the worst. I think there are four movies worse. Just I didn't I didn't want to put you guys through them. 
Um, I think the bubble's the worst film of the year. That's what I agree. Yeah, the bubble's bad. The bubble is the worst movie of the year. Yeah, like that's just terrible. I, I, I mean, I like the bubble more than Blonde, but <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, that is everything for this podcast. The worst films, according to us, the bottom thirty films of the year. You know, uh, the bubble isn't here, but a lot of other stinkers were on this list. In a week's time, we are going to be back for the top 30. So, you know, if you don't like the negativity, I'm sorry you got stuck here for over four hours. Um, Or sorry, I guess, what would it be like? Three and a half hours? Uh, so sorry you got stuck with three and a half hours of us bitching about movies. You'll like the next you podcast. You the podcast. Know the title of it. <laughs> That's on. true. That's on you for not, if you didn't want us to talk about bad movies and shitting on them. Next podcast, we'll be talking about the top 30 best films of the year. That's right. Morbius is going to make its return. It'll be in both lists. Well, yeah. Well, this is the re-release of Morbius, which is a hit. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. true. Morbius was released twice, so that means it gets two entries on the list. Yeah. We should have done that. That would have been a good bet. That would have been fun. (laughs) That would have been a good bet. Yeah. Well, hey, it's not too late. We can add it. We still got a week. So, you know, maybe Morbius will be there. Uh, But there'll be a lot of other great films. You know, it sounds like we didn't love this year. But as we all said at the beginning of the podcast, incredible year. So we're going to have a really good list of movies uh, to look forward to next week. And until then, have a great day, guys. Peace.